Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Shop the biggest health and beauty brands in-store or online at the lowest prices every day at Chemist Warehouse. This is Baz and Izzy for breakfast on SENZ. Morena, it's Baz and Izzy for breakfast on SCNZ. Joined by Ricardo Ball, Baz is over in Australia and he's heading to the IPL. We'll be keeping you up to date with Baz and the KKR team. So they go over there and hopefully go one better and win the title. Um, coming up on the show, it's, it's uh, Friday, first, first off, first off, first of all, first of all, it's Friday the 4th of March. And today is a special day in my family. It is my brother and my sister's birthday. So I'm going to say happy birthday to Makisha and PJ. Uh, it's a big, big day today. I hope you have an amazing day and your partners spoil you rotten and Brad. Hopefully Brad pulls his weight anyway. Um, happy birthday, my whanau. Love you lots. I'll give you a call later on in the morning. Coming up on the show, we've got a jam-packed show because you know what? We've got four hours for you today. Four hours on the airways. Well, I'm going till nine. I've got to shoot off to Dunedin to do some sky work, but Ricardo will carry you from nine till ten. And uh, we've got a good, good cracking show for you. Emma spoke about it. Windy City champion, Paul Cole, world number one. Whew. Had to dig deep, two sets down. Came back to win 3-2 over there in Chicago at the Windy City. We're going to have a chat to Colsey. World number one, Windy City squash champion, Paul Cole. Well, come on after a monumentous week for Colsey. A show favourite. So if you are able, please text double eight double three for messages of support and adulation for our great man. That is Paul Cole. What a champ from the mighty West Coast. It's a name that we've all becoming familiar with because he is just flying the flag with pride and honour on the big stage and representing us all so, so well. He is so humble and so, just such a cool cat. And if you don't follow him on Instagram, go follow him. His swing, his golf swing is neck level. Perfect. 
So when he gets back, I'm going to have to school him up on the golf course. Not after yesterday's debacle, anyway, I won't delve into that. I was up and about the other day, or yesterday, I was shocking. That is golf. After that, we're going to talk to Ben Rita. He is from Sports Illustrated, who wrote Astro Ball, a new way to win it all. We'll come on the show to talk a bit more about what's going on in the baseball, Major League, MLB. Uh, shout out the lockout between players and owners. Just give us a little bit more detail on that. And then our Waikato Stud Racing Preview. Man, there are some good fields running around on Saturday. Here and not only just here, in Australia as well. I've multied a few in. And my anchor for all my multis is three-year-old Philly LaCreek. Who will be ridden by six-time Derby winner Vinnie Colgan. Vinnie will come on the show uh, at about 7.40ish this morning. Uh, we'll have a good chat to Vinnie, Vinnie Colgan. Can't wait for that one in Australia. Oh, man, I'm pumped for some racing. And then, well, Emma spoke about it. SCNZ. ICC World Cricket Cup, uh, World Cup Cricket. We have the rights here on SCNZ, so we'll be calling all the matches. Got a great team: Dan McCarty, Garth Galloway, Anna Corbin, Emily Drum, Drum, Katrina uh, Keenan. Some absolute stars of women's cricket, and well, this is the voice of cricket with Dan McCarty. Man, he does a good job. So uh, we're going to have a chat to Cat Keenan this morning, um, just after eight o'clock, to talk about the cricket that starts today. The White Ferns take on the West Indies. Our great White Ferns get up. They're at home. They're going into that game uh, series. Uh, World Cup with some flying form. So we're looking forward to chatting to Cat Keenan about that. And then following that, man, it just keeps going. We're going to chat to Tony Kemp. Tony Kemp's coming on the show at 8.40. Well, he's joining me next week with Louis Herman Watt. Hyphen Louis coming back. He's from on holiday. So Tony Kemp's going to come on and probably just give us a little lead on to how the show's going to go in the next couple of weeks because let's be honest, we don't know. Anything could happen with me and Kempi on the airway. So looking forward to chatting to him. And then after 9 o'clock, Martin Gillingham. He's an England rugby commentator and former Olympian. He's going to talk some Six Nations. Then we've got Mike Hangove, City Kickboxing Strike Coach. Talk some UFC, Covington, Masvidal. He's fight, they're fighting this weekend. There's been a lot of shots fired already. They absolutely hate each other. Kai Cutter France fight soon. What about Shane Young? Shane Young. He hasn't fought since he lost his last fight. It's been a few uh, few months, I should say, between uh, between fights for Shane Young. So get a little lead on how he's going. When's he next going to be out there fighting? And then Ollie Sale, the human wall. Can't get anything past him. To talk some Phoenix as they prepare to take on Manchester City FC in two days' time. They're flying the Phoenix. Well, it's a Phoenix men's team. Not only the men's team, the women's as well. In the cup, he wins. So the human wall will be on later on the show. Ricardo, you'll be pumped for that one, mate. You got your Manchester United FC shirt on, mate. Well, it's Footy Shirt Friday. Am I the only one that observes Footy Shirt Friday nowadays? Yes. No, no, no. I got one, bro. I got. I just got Ice Cube on my one. <laughs> <laughs> That's a shirt you you sort of watch footy in, so it's now your Footy Shirt. Yeah. You know what? Uh, my Footy Shirts don't fit me anymore. Don't they? <laughs> So, have, you, have, you, have you trimmed down tight. that much? <laughs> no. Now, if I'm going to trim down to when I was playing, I'd need to lose another seven kilos. I played at 95. I'm about 102 now. And, uh, yeah. Might, yeah, not not healthy if I try and do that. Anyway, no, I'm no. to try and live, have that balance. But, um, yeah, mate, Ollie Sale, <laughs> he's been going good for the Phoenix. Yeah, Even mate. Wall. 
You like hum- that one? I, I like that. I like that, yeah. <laughs> the human wall. He's, uh, honestly, he's probably been the form goalkeeper in the A-League at the moment. And if yeah. you look at, I mean, we've got um, the All-Whites qualifying for, for the uh, Qatar World Cup coming up later this month. And there's not really, at the moment, I mean, there's not really an outstanding candidate to be the, the All-Whites number one. I mean, Stefan Marinovic is the incumbent, but he's not been fantastic. It feels like he's on the downward Slide, if you like, he's still good, but he, he's not as dominant as he was. So I reckon there's every chance that Ollie Sally ends up being our number one in the next year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, he will be, mate. He's been going good, and so we got a four, we got a four-hour show, mate, and and lots happening, lots happening around the sporting world, and we're going to cover it all, and that's what we do, mate. But yeah, so we'll rip into it. Have you? How'd you go yesterday? Yeah, pretty good, good day. Man. Pretty good. Yeah, can't complain. I can't complain. Got quite got, got heaps done. Got uh, spent spent a bit of time with the family because I didn't have to come in and do a super rugby show in the evening, so I didn't have anything else to worry about. So nice. Just hung out with my daughter, played some cards, played some other games, uh, helped her do some drawing, and uh, watched a couple of movies. That was Rachel, with mate. Uh, yes, right? yeah, better, better, but still not great. Oh, she got up and did some stuff around the house. You know, she got up. Uh, so, how's this? She, I didn't do this. This is not on me. She bought. She bought herself <laughs> a new vacuum cleaner because she didn't like our old vacuum cleaner. And this is how she put it. She goes, oh, "I'm okay. buying myself a new vacuum." And I was like, "So long as it's yours." Um, but um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, so that arrived. That arrived yesterday. So she got. She got all excited and uh, uh, she went and did some vacuuming. And after about ten minutes of vacuuming, she was knackered again. So it's kind of one of those things that yeah. you feel right, then you go do something, and then it boom. It's like a ton of bricks, so that's kind oh. of yeah. She's she's kind of having, dealing with that at the moment, but I think she's on the other side of it, which is good. What vacuum, mate? What, what kind of you know what the vacuum? It's a Dyson. You gave for the traditional Dyson. Yeah, yeah, it's a Dyson, but it's a I, I don't know what she calls it a stick vacuum. So it's got like it's almost got mm. like a portable battery pack, like you'd have on a power tool, um, and then and see so there's no leads or anything, and then you can just get it into more places, like you can vacuum under things and without having to move furniture and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I wasn't paying that much attention, is he, to be fair? But, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, she's happy. That's the main thing. I told her that's because it's her birthday this month, so I said, oh, well, that can be your birthday present. I'll tell you one thing, though. Tick both boxes where yeah. she won't even have to get out of bed. Get one of those robots. Get a robot, mate. Yeah, it just goes around at night time. You get a bit scared when it comes in. You're like, hey, what the hell is that on the ground? But yeah, you know, sort of robot just makes its way around the house, does the vacuuming while you're asleep, mate. She won't even have to get up. Oh, that's too good. It's too good. The only problem is we get a cat. Um, <laughs> oh, and yeah. cats hate it. Cats hate, hate it. it. Well, yesterday I I wasn't I wasn't around. I must have been in the office doing something, and then yeah. And I just heard this cry, and I was like, what's going on? So I walked out, and um, my daughter had been cuddling our cat. And um, as kids do, she had the cat on her lap, and she was cuddling it. And Rachel started up the vacuum cleaner, and the cat absolutely bricked itself. But, you know, when they brick themselves, claws go out just to get away. And, uh, yeah, Mm. Laria's got, mate, you should see her face. She's got a black eye from the cat and two scratches, one above the eyebrow and one under the eye. Like it absolutely oh. nailed her, <laughs> absolutely nailed her. Uh, so I was trying not oh, to laugh, man. but at the same time be a good dad. And oh, you're right, you're right. You know, um, yeah, yeah. How about you, man? I mean, it doesn't sound like you want to talk about the golf, but uh, you shot seventy four the other day. What did you oh. shoot yesterday? <laughs> nah, I was horrible, eh? I was horrible. So I was obviously gave uh, Davey a little bit of stick on, on the radio show. You said when I could turn it up, he's like, mate, you just get me on the radio to talk about your golf game. And I was like, yeah, of course. <laughs> 
<laughs> anyway, first tee. First tee. If you ever played at Shirley down here in Christchurch, um, she's pretty open. You know, they've taken out all the trees, and so she's an open golf course. Uh, but there's one little pond on the left. You know, you should be able to miss that easily unless you snap hook it left. <laughs> first tee, snap hook left, straight into the um, drink. And, and the worst thing about that is Will Jordan was actually teeing off before me. And um, I was like, mate, don't go left. We know you love left. <laughs> he goes, he goes, <laughs> he goes left. I'm like, I told you. Anyway, I get up, bang, snap, hooked it left. I was like, oh, golf, eh? Just brings you right back down to planet Earth straight did, away. Did Will, Will have anything to say to you? Just laughs, mate. He doesn't really give any stick, but when he does, it's like pretty, like, Subtle, yeah. he just gives little subtle digs and then just walks off. Yeah, he's not really um, witty dry. enough, but he's, he's got a well, not 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 dry. He just doesn't have a bit of um, real hardcore banter like, like I do. <laughs> I like to get into into it all. You know, they call me Dagger for a reason because I go straight for the heart. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, oh, that 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 came back to bite me in the bum, but that's okay. Uh, yeah. I only played eleven holes in it to shoot off and get a haircut. And then I come home and um, notice my pool was green and I figured it out. I hadn't been on for seven days, so there was mosquitoes and everything living in it. Uh, my kids were trying to go for a swim. I was like, oh, that looks a bit yuck. So, uh, yeah, so this is your pool, pool and not Lake yeah. Dag, right? We're not mixing these two things up. <laughs> well, I'm, starting to, I'm starting to get over this, eh? I'm starting to get over this little lifestyle block, eh? Oh, I live on 10 acres, they say. That'll be fun now, nah, mate. <laughs> <laughs> just jobs galore. Um, but yeah, busy day. It was a beautiful day here in Christchurch. And uh, last night, just, just having a wee look, squizzle at the show and, and getting an understanding of what's, what's going on in the world. And then try, I do, I'm doing some work with uh, down in Dunedin, so I do some stuff on that. So just pack my suitcase. I'm off tomorrow, uh, today, and then I'm not back till Sunday. So big, big weekend away. Yeah, well, actually, I noticed that uh, the Moana Pacifica actually come in at the TAB. And you know, yesterday when we were talking to Paulie Moati and that, I looked at it, and the mm. Crusaders were unbackable head to head, right? You couldn't get a bet on them, but now you can. I mean, it's not much. You can, but you can get on. Um, and so I think Moana were thirty-five yesterday. They're twenty-six now, and mm-hmm. the Crusaders, I think, are a dollar, not a lot, but a, a dollar one. But it's more than you could have got on them yesterday. You, I don't, I don't think you could have backed Dollar. them at all yesterday. Um, but that, I think that's, um, a, that's a shift, isn't it? That's a shift. That's a, like a nine dollar shift on Moana. So somebody's having a punt. Yeah. So uh, uh, someone's obviously just clashing at thin air. But uh, there was a few changes yesterday with with the Crusaders. I don't know if this would have had any influence. Probably not. But two late changes. Leicester firing Inuku. He's out. So he uh, got a wee injury during the week, so he's been replaced by uh, Azar Punivai. He comes on to start at 13, and then Inga Fing now comes on the bench. Inga's uh, played for Bay of Plenty. He's been in the Crusaders environment for a very, very long time. Um, hasn't hasn't had a game. Oh, yes, he has. He's had a couple of games for, for the Crusaders. So he comes on the bench, and then uh, Fletcher Newell, he moves. Uh, Oli, he replaces Oli Jaeger. Uh, Oli Jaeger's been out with injury. So Fletcher Newell moves to three. And Abraham uh, Pole comes on to the bench. So, yeah, a few, few late changes. I don't think it'll do too much difference, let's be honest. Uh, it's going to be a uh, history-making night for the Moana Pacifica team. And, and, like, when you look at their team, they're not real easy beats. Like no. you spoke about, they got some um, you know, quality players throughout their entire squad that they've picked. Um, but I, I'd see nothing shorter than 50. I've gone for a 50-point 
Hiding. So Copy Kepu will be uh, looking at the new young fellas coming in to replace Ollie Jaeger and going, oh, yeah, I'll have a piece of this. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's, that's that guy, Fletcher Newell, who I said, yeah, he, he scored a 260 when I was chilling to Tom Walsh on the show. And he, Tom Walsh goes, cute. <laughs> I was like, what do you mean cute? What? Yeah, I'll do that for a warm-up. I was like, oh, wow, okay. <laughs> oh, he's a beast of a man. Funny man. Tom Walsh, beast of a beast. man. He's a beast. Oh, man. Beast of a man, mate. But um, I'm looking forward to this World Cup anyway. I was uh, watching Tally last night. I watched the final uh, back in 2000, Australia, New Zealand. Yep. Um, when they shouldn't have won it. Let's be honest. <laughs> it was a, it was a, one of those. They only scored 180-odd or 190-odd, and, and, and Australia were flying, and then they just started to rattle them, rattle them. I only, only caught the second half of it, and, uh, man, it was cool. It was get- cool to see the girls get up. Debbie Hockley took the winning catch, didn't she? Is that the one? Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I didn't see the last the last wicket. I saw the middle stages. I think it was about six to six to eight. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. And they, I think Australia were flying. They had ten overs. They only needed thirty five runs, and they had four or five wickets in hand. And yeah, really, they should have won. But then this New Zealand just started going down and started, started getting a few wickets, and you started chipping away and. Because from memory, they went they went into the last over Australia. They only had one wicket left, but they only needed four runs. And then mm. and then we we finished them with the first ball of the last over. Debbie Hockley took the the catch, oh. and she's now the uh, the chairperson of New Zealand cricket. So. Yeah, mate, it's it, and that got me excited because I've I've been real pumped uh, with this White Ferns side and just seen how far they've come in the last three years. Uh, they went to England, made a lot of progress here. They've come back here. They're just building. And I reckon they're just creating a nice wee following, and everyone's starting to get a bit of belief. So I'm getting excited. I'm really looking forward to tonight. Live here on SCNZ with the team calling the shots. So, um, yeah, get up the white ferns. Yeah, it's going to be good, man. Looking forward to the World Cup. I mean, we've shown some really good form because we went to England last year and, you know, got beaten by mm. England in T20 and ODI series. I was like, oh, man, yeah. you know, and we felt like we were behind not only them, but probably India, probably Australia. But we've just smoked mm. Australia in, a one, in one game, and we've beaten India 4-1 in a series. Uh, maybe feels like the, the mm. balance has come back, and, and uh, you know, feels like maybe instead of being like the maybe fourth or fifth best team, we could be in the mix for the, uh, for the final. Yeah, I, I remember, yeah, last year we spoke to Katie Martin when she was over there, and had a good chat with her and even Bob Carter the other day, you know, who's one of those ones that'll create a, create a bit of controversy or, or have a bit of banter. Katie Martin was that for sure. And when she came on the show, we were chatting to her about about those competition, uh, the series over in, in England. And uh, it was it, you know, obviously they lost, but the, actually the way they lost wasn't too disheartening. You know, they actually showed a lot of fight and grit and, and, and a few of their star players were stepping up and, and putting in solid performances compared to to previous years when we absolutely got a hiding so it was really convincingly uh, beaten but this time was actually uh, you took a lot of belief out of it and so I don't know I got a good feeling I got a good feeling but anyway someone's texted in and said well hopefully you don't say anything too much about it because we remember what you said last week with um, Baby Winks Espiona <laughs> good morning boys while well, the owners of La Creek won't be happy with you is anchoring La Creek and Maltese you stopped Baby Winks last week <laughs> Dave from Caraca. Oh, Dave. Come on, Dave, mate. The creek is going to fly home. 
But Pinarello will have something to say about that, and I've got a wee uh, loveracing.nz update shortly about that because Pinarello has drawn wide, number, 11, uh, number nine, barrier nine. And, well, James and Robert Wellwood, they are trained. They, they train Pinarello. They are happy. They are happy. Pinarello is targeting and just coming right at the right time for the big derby race, the million-dollar race, where the winner gets 600000 Oh. Big, big money. How good would that be right now? Um, that is our little start for the show. We've got a packed show for you coming up. We're going to do my Super Rugby predictions because you wouldn't believe it. I'm top of the SENZ host. Are you? Nah, I'm first. <laughs> <laughs> I had to make you have a look at I'm like, what? I'm there or thereabouts. Anyway, you're listening to Bassett Izzy for breakfast. Thanks for keeping us warehouse great savings every day. I, th- I, wow. think, I think we've just found Paul Mawadi's intro music. If you like to gamble. Holy. Hey. Oh, lucky. Lucky I'm, I'm wide awake. <laughs> I'm really got a headache. <laughs> Love me a bit anyway, of motor headers. My, yeah, my, my brother and sister would have loved that. They would have loved that. <laughs> I'm so sweet. Anyway. Oh, what are we? We, got, we got Super Rugby. Super Rugby coming up this weekend. Ricardo Ball. I've got my predictions for the Smith City tipping comp. Oh, I missed out last week because I'm doing two comps. I'm yeah. doing two comps. So I changed my last week, uh, my Super Rugby comp, where I'm doing it with a couple of other um, Niall Williams and all, all the crew around uh, around New Zealand and Australia. And I changed that one because I went the Hurricanes to beat the Blues like four, uh, 20 minutes before that game. I changed that one. I forgot to change the SENZ tipping one. So Ooh. I missed out on it. Ooh. Anyway, excuses aside, excuses aside, this week I've gone uh, Crusaders, and that is the margins game. So I've gone Crusaders by 50 points. Mm, I'm exactly the then same. I've gone, there you go. We're on the same picture, me and you. Uh, same page. Same page, me and you, Ricardo. Anyway, I've gone Melbourne Rebels to beat the Fijian Drua. And then I've gone, mate, this one, the Western Force to mm. beat the Reds. The Western Force to beat the Reds. No Tate McDermott. The Force are going home. No Tate McDermott, apparently. No Tate, Mc, no, no Tate McDermott, mate. Manasa Mataeli play for Crusade. He's been going awesome over there, and it's so good to see him getting game time. They've also got another a young team, Rayshan Pasitor, and he was very, very good last week. Even Tim Horan was coming out. They always do it. Get him in the Wallabies. And then Michael Checker had to tell him, Mate, settle down. Calm down, mate. Give them time. Don't put that pressure on them. I totally agree with Chick. The first time and only time I agree with Chicka. Anyway, uh, I've gone the Blues. Blues to beat the Chiefs. I've gone the Blues to beat the Chiefs. I know that's a tough one for you, and it's Brad Weaver's 100th. They've got a lot to play for for the Chiefs, but I've gone Blues. Hurricanes to beat the Hollanders, and Brumbies to beat the Waratahs. What about uh, you? Yeah, nice. I like it. I like it. Uh, I'm pretty much the same, except I've just... The Melbourne Rebels have looked pop um, first two rounds, uh, and I just I kind know, of, I kind I of feels like maybe this is the opportunity <laughs> for the drawer. So I've gone, I've gone the drawer. I've gone the drawer. Okay. I've gone the drawer. I'm just, yeah. just, I'm like, well, oh, this is a possible upset. I don't. I've picked two because I picked the four, so that's kind of an upset. But I kind of saw that coming mm. after that Waratahs game because I don't know how the Reds won that game. 
Uh, no, Tony Alatua, they got um, Tony Alatupo, I should say. They got uh, they lost Tate McDermott. Yeah. They lost the skipper as well. I was like, oh man, Waratahs butchered that. They should have won that. And I can't see them going all the way to Perth and winning. So yeah, I'm with you, I'm with you on that one. But I did I did look at the leaderboard is, and you're fifth. Yeah. Fifth, yeah. <laughs> but it's but but there's a whole bunch of people on the same score, so it's all just points differential because yeah. you you pick your margin. But yeah. guess who's number one? I know, mate. Mark Stafford. Everyone, everyone will know who's number one, mate. The whole of New Zealand will know who's number one. Steph is number <laughs> Steph, one. Steph, you'll be telling everyone. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Carmo's number Lucky four. Lucky the one or two turbos aren't in there. Oh, he, mate, he won't be, be number all one. <laughs> yeah, but uh, it's, it's a good-looking top top seven. Steph, uh, T. Harley, who's a Landers fan. I, Zane, uh, MBB yeah. Zane, who's a Canes fan. Then Carmo, then yourself. Then uh, D. Drill, who's a, a Chiefs fan. And then Justin Marshall at seven. It's a good, tight, it's a, it's a good top one. seven. The only one I want to beat, because I heard him on your show the other day, uh, is Marshy. And he said that I'm ahead of him. He said, it's a guessing game. Of course it's a guessing game, uh, Marshy. What a dumb one. Come on. <laughs> it's all a guess. I guessed the margin last week. 15 points, Crusaders over the Highlanders. Come on, let's go. But anyway, that is my Super Rugby predictions. That is Ricardo Ball's Super Rugby predictions. Make sure you are part of the tipping competition. Smith City, we're two rounds in. We're two rounds in already, but it's never too late. It's never too late. Um, that is our tipping competition. Let us know on the on the text machine your picks for the Super Rugby weekend of sport this weekend. Uh, it's going to be uh, an absolute jam pack, particularly the uh, Blues Chiefs. That is a tough one. That was the one where I was sitting on the fence. But I think Blues at Eden Park. Uh, Bowden Barrett, he's bracketed on the bench. He's always still having a few problems with his concussion. Um, I reckon, yeah, another week under their belt. They were very, very good for 70 minutes. Let's hope they can get up. You know, going to get in trouble again. Sorry, Emma. Oh, no, here's Emma with the news for Kubota. Together we're shaping and building New Zealand. Yes, thank you, Emma. Thanks for that little news update. I'm just having a wee giggle here. Having a wee giggle here because Ricardo's message on the message machine. <laughs> oh, he's saying that that Bowden has been trailing at fullback, maybe just to keep his head, um, you know, in the right places and just keep his head out of the contact, or just just keep his head right. And I, said, and I messaged back, are you saying that fullbacks they avoided contact at all costs? <laughs> and he's come back in laughing emojis and said, yep, pretty much. <laughs> and wow, he's, <laughs> he's not wrong. He's not wrong, mate. I never made a tackle. I never heard a ruck in my life. But when it was time to shine the light, wow, I went hundies. Anyway, <laughs> oh, good bit of banter there, Ricardo. It'll be good to see uh, Bodie come back. And whether that is 15 or 10, um, I'm sure you do well, but yeah, it's tough, eh, those the concussions. Um, probably a lot more than we probably know of right now. He's having a lot of a lot of issues, and you've been talking with Steve Devine on, on your night shows, mate, and he'll probably have a bit of an update. Have you heard how he's been? Yeah. He's been tracking? Well, it was, it was Steve that said to me that he'd been running at, at, at uh, 15 in training, so... Mm. Uh, you said he'd been still been having a few issues, um, but I guess kind of you know if you think about who his coach is, could he have a better coach in terms of coming back from a head injury? I mean, haven't given that Leon had to deal with a lot of that in his yeah. playing career as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's what I mean. He'll be monitoring really well, knowing the repercussions if you you know push push through it and, and 
how important our bloody brain is in our head. Um, so he'll he'll be monitoring really well. And knowing Bodhi, he won't want to, um, you know, do something that's going to um, not benefit the better, best, what's best for the team. So we'll keep an eye on it, keep, see what's happening. They've got a luxury, mate, with so many quality players in that squad, whether he plays 10, whether he plays fullback. You know, they've still got Zahn Solomon, Harry Palmer, Stephen Perofeta, just quality everywhere. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll watch the space and we'll listen to you as well on your updates on your night show, brother, and doing a really, really good job there. Uh, with with the team, Carmo, Peter Latini, Justin Marshall, Norm Hewitt. How good, mate. Good good, good night show. Anyway, time for our Love Racing. Uh, .NZ, your home for everything Thoroughbred Racing update. I spoke about it. We've been talking a lot about La Creek. And fair enough, La Creek has been flying as of late. And, uh, well, we just wanted to talk about uh, Pinarello. Pinarello is racing in the same race and has been tracking really, really well towards this race. And uh, I want to talk, I'm just having a wee look here. Pinarello has been drawn number nine, ridden by Jonathan Riddell, who is an absolute animal when he comes to riding horses. He uh, will do everything to get the win. Obviously, a lot of chat about the creek at the moment, but Pinarello and James and Wellwood trained out of their stable. They've come out and said, we've been very, very impressed with Pinarello and uh, the way... It has been tracking it. Sorry, I'm just trying to find the article. I lost it when I was looking at Martha. Here we go. Pinarello. The last three weeks could hardly have gone any better for him, says James, who trains Pinarello with Robert Wellwood. We've had some issues and twists and turns in the road a month or so ago, but things have been great since the last one. I said to Robert, I'll be happy. I'll be happy with any draw from five to nine. So nine will do nicely. It will see him in the running line where he is the happiest. And uh, so there you go. They've got big, big things on uh, on uh, Pinarello that was racing La Creek this weekend. Uh, I've also done some multis, some tips for Ellerslie on Saturday. So here we go. Dave from Caraca. Hopefully I haven't put the, <laughs> <sighs> the X on these ones. But anyway, good luck. Here's my tips. Race four, Ellerslie. I've gone on the bubbles. Number one um, out of uh, Jamie Richards' stable. Uh, it's an absolute champion horse, and I think it'll go well. And then I've also backed this one before. I've gone on the bubbles into Starry Bill. Starry Bill, race two, number six. It's paying $8. Written by Michael McNabb. Nabba's riding, and uh, well, it came second in the Wellington Cup at 2,200 metres. This race is 2,200 metres, so distance isn't a problem. Um, I think, yeah, the money is probably why I'm lean, leaning more towards that. And then La Creek for the Derby to be my anchor. Don't. Let me down, La Creek. But there you go, on the bubble, Starryville into La Creek. And then over in Randwick, there's some nice racing over there as well. So I've gone Animo. Animo at Randwick. It's been ridden by J-Mac. seventy into Lighthouse. That is also ridden by J-Mac. That is paying $4.50. And then I've gone back to the anchor, La Creek, at seventy. So there you go, $2.70 favourites. And then a $4.50, nice little juicy odd to just really raise that multi. Lighthouse, ridden by J-Mac. But anyway, that was my <laughs> love racing update. Sorry about that. I lost all my things I was trying to read off and uh, got a bit distracted. But I've given a few tips out. And next week, the love racing.nz update will be way better because Louis's back and he does a fantastic job as that. But anyway, that's enough. I've done my love racing.nz update for this week. And, well, let's be honest, 
I've rambled my way through it, but hopefully I've done a wee bit of justice. Like Mark, his tips were horrible yesterday, and hopefully my <laughs> tips can be better. He's texted on the text line and said, hopefully you didn't follow me on those on those tips. They were no good. I followed no, him on, on one. Did you go on that one? Yeah, I did. Logan. Yeah. Logan's logic? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it's still running. Yeah. It was like nine. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was like yeah, something like nine a... and a half lengths off. Mm. Yeah, that was a tough one. T- I've seen you. We shouldn't have listened to Mark. We should have listened to Ted off the Boys Gets Paid um, off their page, mate, because Ted backed, I think he picked six winners or something from yesterday's thing. So I saw a $5 multi, $5 multi, five-league multi, got 5700 bucks, mate. That's <laughs> pretty good. That's pretty good. That's yeah, better than so I did. Maybe. You know, I was thinking about it yesterday yeah. after that came in like nine links off the pace, and I was like, I should have just <laughs> given the money to Webby because I had as much chance of getting it back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, 100%, mate. Anyway, that was my loveracing.nz, your home for thoroughbred racing news, previews, reviews, and more. We'll be back next week to give that bit more justice. But coming up, this is my time to shine. It's Quizzy Dag. Take on the Is Master, and you could win a $50 TAB bonus bet. Courtesy of the team at TAB. Call now, 0800-150-811. Remember, you got phone a friend, and Ricardo Ball will have some nice wee clues for you. Back shortly. It's Quizzy Dag. A quiz for the ages to prove yourself. The quiz master, the is master, stay with me. Or this might be an absolute disaster. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, hey, if you think you got what it takes, give us a call on 0800 150. 811. <laughs> oh, I love that little chat with uh, Brody Retallick on the show yesterday on the Prime Show, giving Steve Devine a little stick. Hey, they're always listening, eh? They're always listening. <laughs> the ears prick up when they just have a little stab at something. Oh, guys. He will, won't forget that, mate. Hopefully there's not a celebrity ch- charity match going on in a couple of years' time when Devines, he's just doing a little snipe around the ruck and Guzzler pops his head out and goes, bang! <laughs> oh, so good. So good. Oh. All right, we got a quiz. we got the quiz for you. And we are doing a World cup theme quiz. We're going to rip straight into it. We've got Brenton from Auckland. Morning, Brenton. Brenton! Brenton, Brenton. No, he's not there, so we're going to move on to Richie. Morning, Richie. Morning, Izzy. Richie, you're going to open up the bat, mate. You're opening up the bat today at West Indies. No, this is a Women's World Cup-themed quiz. Here we go, brother. How many teams are competing at this year's World Cup? Eight. Bang, 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 bang. You have phone a friend as well. Here we go. Question number two. Which year was the first Women's Cricket World Cup played? 1970. Five, four, three. Three. Two. Ooh. Bang. Richie's on fire. Here we go. Question number three. Who was the... F- who won the first World Cup? Five. Four, three, Australia. two. It's not Australia, Richie. Sorry, bud. Have a good day, mate. We're going to go to John in Christchurch. 
Johnny. G'day, how are you, mate? Oh, I'm very well. Very well, bud. We'll rip into it. Who won the England, first mate. World Cup? England. England is correct. Question number four. Who is the only Kiwi to win player of the tournament? Five. Four. No. Sorry, bud. It's not Debbie Hockley. Sorry. Have a good one. We're going to go to Luke in Dunners. I might see Luke later on today. No, I won't. There's no crowds. Hey, Luke. How are we going, Luke? Man? Hey, good, good. Who is the only Kiwi to win player of the tournament? We have to do the Dunedin Girls. Right. It is bang smacker. Here we go. Well done. Question number five for that $50 TAB bonus bet. Who were the runner-up? Who were the runners-up? Of the last World Cup. Five. Four. Three. Two. And we one. have a bonus friend. Oh, just snuck it in there. <laughs> just snuck it in there. <laughs> yeah, I had to speed up because I thought he was going to Google. But here you go. All right. Uh, White Ferns beat them 4 1 in a series recently. Oh. Is that no help, Luke? No, we're not doing we're not doing Bez style uh, clues here. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, brother. Have a good day. We're gonna get a mark. Morning, boys. Marky, Marky, Marky loves timing us to perfection. Put us out of yeah, our misery. Wasn't too bad today. Hey, that tip yesterday, by the way, the first one got third, so it wasn't too bad, but the second one, you're right. So you yeah, so who was, who was the third one? Who was the third? Who came uh, third? Luminaro. Which one was it? Luminaro. Luminaro. Over, okay. yeah. This is the best so pad to right. Google I've heard yet. No, 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 no. <laughs> India. You're, you're, you're sorry. Mark, mate, Mark listens every day. He'll be, he would have heard we've been pumping up how they smashed India 4 1. He would have got that easily, mate. But yeah, so, Logan, yeah. Oh, okay. Have you got any more for today? Uh, I haven't had a chance to have a look. About? I was a bit busy, hands full yesterday, but I'll, uh, I'll have a wee look and see if I get anything through for you, boys. Legend, bud. Legend, Marky. Appreciate you, as always, on the show, Baz and Izzy for breakfast. Have a good one, mate. Have a good Thanks, weekend. Lads. Cheers, boys. Bang. Hey, Marky comes through with the gravy. And he just had to, just had to say a few things about his tip, eh? We, we, maybe we're a bit harsh on his tip. Sorry. I mean to say it like it was horrible. He timed <laughs> that run, though, mate. one of them and went, no good. No good. Hey? He timed that run well. That was like that was like that was like 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 one of your injecting yourself into the backline runs to get <laughs> to get the last passes. Yeah, it's, this quiz is all about timing, mate. It's all about timing. You know that was Quizzy Dag. We'll be back next week for you to win another chance at winning fifty dollar bonus bet, courtesy of the team at TAB. Actually, you're listening to Baz and Dizzy for breakfast on SENZ. 
couple of minutes away from Emma with the latest in news and sport here on Baz and Izzy for breakfast. Uh, and Izzy, oh, you mentioned earlier uh, boys get paid, but how is this for boys getting paid? One boy in particular, uh, Killian Mbappe uh, from uh, PSG, Paris Saint-Germain. Uh, he's in the last year of his contract at the moment. And Real Madrid uh, really want to sign him. So it looks like he is going to leave PSG because his contract is up. But they're doing everything they can to keep him, Paris Saint-Germain. And the latest story coming out is, you want to talk boys getting paid, how's this? Kylian Mbappe has been offered a two-year extension to his contract that would earn him 50 million euros a season which works out to about 800,000 euros a week. Uh, and uh, he's also going to bank a 200 million euro loyalty bonus if he signs the two-year extension deal. You talk about boys getting paid. That boy is getting paid whether he stays at PSG or goes to Real Madrid, isn't he? That is, uh, that is scary money, scary money. It's a, that's, a, that's the sort of money that Baz is on over in Kolkata, I'm pretty sure. But uh, we'll we'll confirm we'll confirm that at a later date. But yeah, ridiculous money. Kylian Mbappe reportedly been offered fifty million euros a season to stay at PSG, about eight hundred thousand pounds a week, uh, eight hundred thousand euros a week, uh, which is just uh, crazy nice. money. Uh, it may be all right, mate. He 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 wouldn't have to worry about nice. Lecre- he wouldn't have to worry about Lecrete coming in to, to to make sure he could feed the kids on the weekend. Um, <laughs> Mate, I'm too good, too good. Hey, catch SENZ's coverage of the ICC Women's Cricket World Cup starting at 1.25 today as our great team give you ball-by-ball commentary of the White Ferns opening match against the Windies. Shop the biggest health and beauty brands in-store or online at the lowest prices every day at Chemist Warehouse. This is Baz and Izzy for breakfast on SENZ. Yes, good morning. You're listening to Baz and Izzy for breakfast on SCNZ. It is Friday, the 4th of March. Happy birthday, my brother and sister, Hawks Bay and Gizzy. I hope you have a fantastic day and you are sport rotten. Wish I could come home and see you. I know I'm going to head to do some mahi on the weekend, but that's all right. I'll catch up with you both soon. Um, yep, Lydia Ko. Man, she's been going good as of late. There or thereabouts, every single competition she plays in, hopefully she gets the job done. If not, anyway, I'm going to flick her a message on the Sunday and hopefully get her on early next week and see if she'll come on the show and, and join us. See how she's going on. Now, now the borders have opened up. She hasn't been home for two years. Two years she's been on the road. So the borders have opened opening up slowly. She's uh, confirmed that she's potentially going to try and make it home sometime shortly, but before then she's got a bit of work to do. And uh, like, like always, I always have... Love talking up Lydia Coe and Paul Cole, but she's been flying the flag extremely, extremely well. Coming up in the next hour, we are going to talk to Colsey very, very shortly, followed by Ben Rita about the sports. He's from Sports Illustrated, and he wrote Astro Ball, A New Way to Win It All, and he'll come on the show to talk about the Major League Baseball, what's happening. Rob Manfred is the commissioner, and while there's been a delay in talks, has come to a standstill between owners and players about the current deal um, that they're trying to get on the ta- on the table. Um, it's all come to a halt, so we're going to get Ben Rito on to talk about that. And then following that, we're going to talk to Vinnie Colgan. Here's our Waikato stud racing preview. We're going to have a chat to him about La Creek. Hopefully I haven't put the acid on. Oh, no. Dave from Karaka, he's made me a bit nervous now. 
Oh, no. <laughs> Hopefully, you haven't done that. Uh, Vinnie Colgan and Lacrete. Hopefully, you can still get the job done. And then we're going to talk a bit of women's cricket. Tony Kemp, because he's on the show next week with Louis Herman Watt. And then there's more and more. Mike Angove after nine. Ollie Sale after nine. There's lots and lots happening. But right now, I'm going to talk to the one and only, our show favourite. We don't like to put favourites on the show. But if we had one, it would be our man, Paul Colsey. We've chatted to him on here on Bears and Izzy for breakfast probably more times than anyone else. And for good reason. He's had an epic 12 months. And that has been topped off with a week to remember. The new world number one. Won a tough battle yesterday to claim yet another title, this time in Chicago Open in front of the great Billie Jean King. It's been a while since we chatted to Colsey, so I'm going to get him right away. And he's on the line. He's always finding time for our show. We love him. We're proud of him. He's an absolute champion. Colsey, how are you, brother? Kia ora, bro. I'm good, man. Thank you. You must be knackered. I was watching that game, mate. You looked out on your feet after you got the job done, mate. But but congratulations on the week. Started with a hiss and a roar, number one, and then to top it off with winning the Windy City Open in Chicago, mate. Tell us about this week. Yeah, thanks, bro. Yeah, I'm pretty wrecked to be honest. Um, it's been a it's been a good week, man. It's it's been a real emotional week for me. Obviously, like. You know, getting to world number one, it was probably like you know the best thing that's you know ever happened to me. And then, but I couldn't, almost, I couldn't celebrate it, you know, because I wanted to focus on this tournament and, and try and win this tournament. So, yeah, I was trying to sort of hold hold back the celebrations, hold back the emotions until um, you know I finished the event. So, yeah, it's been a it's been a hard week, but you know it's, it's the best weeks, isn't it? You know, when you sort of those hard matches is what we love. So, yeah, it's been it's been wicked, bro. Mate, tell us about it. I was thinking about when you got named number one. Like, you think about it. All the squash players in the world, you know, I think of uh, all the sports. And when you're that number one, what kind of feeling or that, that special feeling, mate? Like, for you, when you're number one, out of, I don't know how many squash players there are in the world, but there be thousands, if not millions. Tell us about that, bro, when you're number one. Yeah, bro. I mean, even just listening to you say it now, it's pretty... It's hard to sort of comprehend. Like I just can't stop smiling, man. It's um, it's an amazing feeling, man. Especially from, you know, my junior days when I I couldn't even you know, see myself being number one. To be honest, you know, I was always told I was a top twenty player. You know, like which I to me sounded unbelievable. You know, so to to hold that number one spot, man. It's just uh, the feeling's working, man. There's so many emotions there. It's it's just working. I, I can't even explain it, but um, I'm over the moon, man. I'm just loving life at the moment, and um, you know, appreciate all the support from back home. It's it's been pretty surreal to see the coverage that it's getting. So I'm loving life, man. Hey, Coley Ricardo here, mate. Uh, for you now that you've achieved this, you know, you talked about that. You you talked about being a top twenty player, and that seemed unreal. Now you're number one. What's the next goal for you? How do you goal set from here through for you know the rest of your career? Yeah, there's still some um, you know, big tournaments that I want to win. Um, you know, speaking to my coach and looking forward, we're just going to try and focus on um, big events that we want to win rather than the actual rankings. Because I think if you get too caught up in you know the rankings, then you can create a lot of pressure on every tournament. So we're just going to target um, you know the big tournaments and um, really just try and win as many tournaments as possible. And obviously, if you 
playing well and, and winning in the rankings are just a, a byproduct of winning the tournament. So, yeah, that, that's sort of the way we're going to approach it. Like I said, there's still some big tournaments we haven't won, so we're just going to focus on those and prepare for those as best we can. Mate, I'm, oh, you know, we're so proud of you, and I know the whole of New Zealand, you were recognised in the Halberg Awards. Um, pretty pretty close to winning that award, I must say. Um, but, mate, for you, what can you... What's the one thing that in the last 12 months, we've had you on the show many times, now you're number one, you're, you're constantly there or thereabouts. If you're not winning it, you're in the final. What's, what's one change you can pinpoint it to or, or something different that you've kind of woke up 2021, start of the year, or whenever the season started, and you've said, I'm going to do this differently, and now you're reaping the rewards? Yeah, to, to be honest, bro, I mean, there's a lot, obviously, it's like there's a lot of small things that I've changed in my game, um, which have obviously mm. helped me, but it was a, a lot of um, belief, to be honest. Like, I spoke to, um, last year at World Champs, I spoke to Stu Davenport, um, who was obviously an ex, you know, great Kiwi squash player, and he just told me to uh, really trust in my game and the way I'm playing it. And I don't know, just from that conversation, that just sparked a, you know, a belief that I, I can do it. And, you know, if I trust the way I'm playing and that I can get to the top and win these tournaments. And I don't know, man, just something in that conversation clicked for me. And, um, you know, the next tournament after that was the British Open, which I won. And then just from there, I just, yeah. you know, kept, kept believing and trusting in myself. And I don't know, just something that clicked in my head, bro. And um, from there, I just mm. it felt like a different person on court. Oh, that bank balance must be really, really full now. Because last time we spoke to you, you were clipping your first ticket at the British Open. Now it'll be chocker, mate. There'll be lots and lots of zeros on it, eh? Yes. Hey, oh, I'll say cozy. this, brother. I haven't, I haven't turned right on the airplane since, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, cozy. Always turn left, brother. That's the one. Yes. So good. Hey, uh, talk about food. Chicago. I've been to Chicago. Have you had a deep dish pizza yet? Have you had a couple? Of, are you going to spoil yourself today? Or I had uh, I haven't had a deep dish, but I had three burgers after my latch, match last night. Um, but I've been uh, <laughs> I've, I've, I haven't been fishing till like twelve o'clock every night. I've been bloody last on, so yeah. I've been eating you know, cold food every night. So I'm, I'm looking for a you know a hot hot pizza tonight, maybe for sure. On that then, Paul. Um, obviously, you know you're you're proud Kiwi, so. What's your favourite windy city now? Can you split it between Chicago and Wellington? Oh, mate, you got to say you got to stay true to the roots, don't you? Wellington, uh, Wellington takes a cake for sure. <laughs> Doesn't have the deep dish pizza though. Hey, um, uh, understand that after the, afterwards you got to uh, meet some uh, some racket sport royalty as well. You, you got to shake hands with Billie Jean King, didn't you? Yeah, bro, she was there for um, semi final and finals, which is pretty unreal because obviously she's. Uh, She's a huge deal, man. So that was really cool to see her there. And, you know, she's, she, she seemed to really like squash, which is great for the, the profile of squash to have such a high-profile um, public figure like her supporting squash. So, yeah, man, that was awesome to meet her and, and shake her hand. And, you know, she, she congratulated me, which was, was a real special moment. It was cool, man. Oh, man, Colsey, we're so proud of you here in New Zealand, man. You, you're flying the flag with so much pride and honour and you're putting us on the world stage and you've you've, you've taken those Egyptians and you've put them to the side and now it's just Paul Cole standing on the top of the mountain just with his guns out <laughs> and that, 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 that golf swing I've been talking about on the show as well, mate, the golf swing, the perfect swing. When are you coming <laughs> home? When are we going to have a hit? That's what I want to know. Brother... I'm coming back June 27th, so 
put that in your diary. I hope oh. you're training for that, mate. It's, uh, I'm peaking for that. <laughs> I'm peaking for it. Coley, he, he quit after 11 holes yesterday because he was so rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I had a haircut, bro. I had to go. <laughs> I've heard that before. Yeah, I was good. Oi, I was good the other day. I come on the show and I was like, yeah, I shot 74 the other day. I was flying. I went out yesterday. I started double, double, triple. <laughs> Golf, eh? Horrible mate, game. You just walk <laughs> off after those starts, don't you? <laughs> yeah, mate. Nah, I've got those golf shoes for you waiting for you. June, we'll be uh, connecting up, mate. Really, really proud of you here in New Zealand. Keep up the great work. And uh, thanks for finding time to, to join us on our show. As always, you're a, you're a show favourite and a fan favourite for everyone. Keep, keep going well, brother, and we'll chat to you very, very soon. Hey, boys, really appreciate the support, man. Great to speak to you again, and, and thanks again, man. Just love it. Thank you. Yeah, awesome. Paul yeah, Cole. Paul Cole. World number one and just all-round top bloke. Uh, we can't wait to get him home and we can just say, say to him face-to-face how proud of him we really, really are. That was Paul Cole, world number one, and now Windy City champion. Woo! We'll be back shortly. We're going to chat to Ben Rita, Sports Illustrator, Juno, and author of Astro Ball. You're listening to Baz and Izzy for breakfast thanks to the Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. You're listening to Baz and Izzy for breakfast on SENZ. You gotta fight! This is Baz and Izzy for breakfast here on SENZ at 20 past 7. Uh, just uh, waiting to get Ben Ryder uh, from Sports Illustrated on the line to talk about this Major League Baseball lockout. And uh, he is, of course, the author of Astro Ball. Have you, have you managed to read that uh, b- book, Izzy? It's kind of a, it's about the Houston no. Astros. And they, they kind of they took that, mm. that money ball approach. And Ben Ryder wrote this book, and he uh, basically wrote the book when they were the worst team in baseball and predicted, based on what they were doing, uh, that they would win the World Series in five years' time, and they won the World Series in exactly five years' time. Yeah, I, I when you sent me the, the link last night, I read the um, the brief preview of it and uh, got a bit of an understanding and then heard the um, lines about Moneyball and, and the way that... Well, so is this the same team... Correct me if I'm wrong. Is this the same team that went through the sign stealing? Yes. Scandal. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. They were one so of. He's... They were one of those teams. Oh. Okay. Okay. So he's obviously wrote the book when they were horrible, and then they've gone through and won it, and then obviously the controversy that unfolded from them winning this from stealing the the signs and oh. Okay. Yeah. 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 So mate, it's a it's a it's a it's a really good read that book actually, um, and just mm. the fact that he managed to go. He he saw all the signs. He he kind of drew parallels from what the Oakland A's had done, and drew those parallels mm. and went, oh yeah, I can see how this works, and uh, I think you know this is what we're going to end up with. So, yeah, it's a really good piece of journalism because he's a, one of the main writers for Sports Illustrated as well. Covers a lot of NFL yeah. as well as uh, Major League Baseball. So um, yeah, it'd be uh, be good to get him on. I think he's just uh, he's he's going to be dialing through in a minute, so we can uh, we can get him on and talk about this lockout because, like you know, I think the big question is here. Who who comes out of this looking worse out of this lockout? Because mm. you know, is it the players? Do, do, do the fans think the players have been greedy, or is it the owners, um, or is it the commissioner? Mm. 
So I think the commissioner's got a lot to ask for, <laughs> mate. Like just from getting a bit more of an understanding of how he's approached every single time there's something's happened like this. Um, yeah, it's been difficult. Have we got him? We got I've, Ben on the line. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think I think we do have Ben on the line. I, th- I think uh, Kieran's just exchanging uh, chicken taco recipes with him. Uh, ben Ben Ryder joins us uh, from Sports Illustrated. G'day, Ben. How you doing? I think I might have to get that taco recipe after we go off here. Right? It sounds pretty good. <laughs> I didn't get it yet. <laughs> it's not bad, man. Aaron doesn't know. He didn't even cook it. <laughs> hey, um, Ben, we're in the middle of this uh, in this lockout with the Major League Baseball, and I'm from the from all the way over here looking in. I mean, it's it doesn't look good for anybody. I don't think, but particularly, uh, it doesn't look good for Rob Manfred, the commissioner. I mean. On a scale of David Stern to Roger Goodell, just how popular is the man at the moment? <laughs> Definitely uh, towards the Goodell end of the spectrum. And that's by design. You know, you have to understand, guys, about the commissioners of our sports here in the U.S. They're not all powerful, dispassionate figures. They essentially work for the 30 men who own the teams. And their function is mm. to, you know, get a coalition together among those owners, but essentially to take orders from the owners and then to take flack from fans and from players when things don't go well. So that's exactly what's happening right now. And with very good reason, because from almost every angle by which you look at this thing, uh, these are the owners of the baseball teams being, for lack of a better word, incredibly greedy as far as how much of the pie as far as the financial windfall they want to share with the players who they employ and the players who in fact generate all of those revenues to begin with uh in past labor conflicts it's been a little unclear you know the players asking too much is this a battle of billionaires versus millionaires no one's very sympathetic this one is different this one clearly seems to be a case of basically runaway greed on the part of the very, very wealthy people who own these teams. What are the numbers? What are the numbers we're, we're talking about here with the slice of the pie that the owners are, are after? And you're right, they are billionaires. So money to them is probably not a problem. And without the players, they wouldn't have any sort of product. So what is the slice of the pie that they're really trying to um, um, get for themselves? Well, I guess, you know, one thing we have to understand is this probably is why they're billionaires who can own baseball teams, because this is the way they (laughs) move through the world, and this is the way they bargain, and this is the way Mm. they operate. But look, you have to understand that revenues in baseball, despite all you hear about baseball's popularity dwindling and all that, revenues have exploded over the past few Mm. decades. Uh, Player salaries haven't. Like, yes, they have at the very top end, right, for the very, very huge superstars, Mike Trout, John Carlos Stanton, people like that. But the overall share of that those revenues going to players' salaries hasn't really moved very much, if at all. So players are mm-hmm. saying, we think that we should uh, see some of those profits, right, which seems perfectly fair for people who are the best in the world what they do. Uh, and the owners are saying, you know, no, you shouldn't. Now, I don't want to get too into technicalities, especially for your li- for your listenership. Um, but essentially, there's this thing called the competitive balance tax, which states that over a certain level of payroll, uh, if teams spend over a certain amount, then they have to start paying a tax to the other teams as kind of a penalty. It essentially functions as a salary cap 
in baseball. Now, the owners are proposing that this year it should be $220 million. And over the next five years, it should rise to no more than $230 million. So this isn't even tracking really inflation or cost of living. The players are saying, okay, let's start at $238 million and we'll go to $263 million. In the grand scheme of things, when you're talking about a, a sport that generates billions and billions and billions of dollars of revenue <laughs> growing every year, this doesn't seem like such a huge gap. Uh, but the owners refuse to budge an inch, and it is their decision that the players should be locked out, and it is now their decision that the season is not going to start on time. That's how I see it anyway. Yeah, Ben, I mean, at the moment, the way things look with the first two rounds of games um, cancelled, uh, we're going to lose probably about 91 games uh, so far. I mean, obviously, you know, the likes of the ESPNs and, and, the, and the pay TV deals that they've got going, that's going to cut into the TV revenues that the owners get back. So at what point uh, does it become more, uh, I guess, beneficial for them to, to work with the players and agree a deal than to lose games? The owners can hold out a lot more for a lot longer than the <laughs> players, which is always the case because they have so much more money. Um, but structurally, they can as well. One thing that's interesting that has recently come out is that uh, the owners' TV deals actually aren't affected at all up to 25 games lost, right? So they can essentially miss the first month of the season and get paid the exact same amount. So really, if you're looking at what might start to be a deadline that might hurt the owners a little bit more, it's probably that first month. We're probably talking about April uh, so you factor that in with the fact that the owners have a much more higher tolerance for these losses uh, and also for the fact that the owners are essentially sitting on gold mines and that when they sell their teams, the prices have only ever gone up and gone up expeditiously. Uh, you know, the owners, I guess what I'm saying is that the owners have a much longer way to go before they start feeling real pain than the players. But I will say the players seem to have a kind of a, a commitment to doing this that we haven't seen in previous years. The players are pissed off, to use an Americanism. Mm. And what about the fans? They are a huge part <laughs> of this as well. So how are the fans reacting to, the, to all this uh, unfolding right in front of them? Are they, are they, getting, are they throwing tacks at these owners and, and just really ripping into them? And, and how are they feeling? Because they're a big part of the, why this product's so successful. Yeah, they're pissed off too, obviously. Mm. You know, I get yeah. it. A lot of fans don't care a whit about this stuff you know they say the owners are rich the players are rich as far as any kind of societal mm. measures right like i don't care who gets paid what i just want to see baseball they're both at fault but among mm. other fans you're really seeing for the first time a lot of blame falling on the owners and that hasn't been the case in the past i think there's a lot of anger at the owners you know we baseball is having some problems as far as popularity to begin with this will not help things. We all remember the strike in 1994. Mm. The game suffered a real lapse of popularity. It was brought back in 1998 by the incredible internationally covered home run chase between Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa. Uh, we all know the underpinnings of that as well now. But uh, things could be even worse this time, especially for a fan base that, you know, has had several compromised seasons in a row because of the pandemic, right? Like, you don't want it to be a case where a full season of baseball starts to seem like a rare event, but that's what we're headed towards right now. Uh, ben, just before I let you go, uh, Izzy is a tragic Anaheim Angels fan. Uh, at what oh. point? And at what point can he start pick, picking up cheap merchandise off the official <laughs> site because they realize they're not going to make the playoffs? 
<laughs> Isn't it cheap already? Now, <laughs> if, if, discount, if they discounted Angel stuff every time they weren't going to make the playoffs, you should have had a discount for the past decade or so. Because <laughs> that's not something that's happened. Even while they've had, what, like the two best players in baseball now, Mike Trout and Shohei Otani. Look, I guess the one thing you can say is assuming the baseball's actually played and assuming those guys are healthy, they're at least fun games to watch because of those guys, even if they don't end up uh, winning all that much somehow. Yeah, good stuff, Ben. I was, a, I was an Albert Pujols, Albert Pujols fan. <laughs> the great Albert. There you go. <laughs> yeah, good stuff, Ben. Hey, thanks very much for coming on, man. Keep up the great work with Sports Illustrated, and uh, uh, hopefully we see another book out of you sometime soon, eh? Yeah, man, getting working on it. Appreciate it. Cheers. Go well, Ben Ryder there from Sports thanks, Illustrated out of the States uh, talking to us about uh, the Major League Baseball strike and how that is shaping up. It doesn't look like there's really going to be uh, a winner anywhere, particularly not the fans. The fans are certainly not winning uh, mm. in that struggle at the moment. Hey, it's uh, time we better get to uh, the, the grumpy one, Emma, uh, with news from Kubota. Together we are shaping and building New Zealand. <laughs> This is SENZ, Baz and Izzy for breakfast, uh, 26 away from 8, and uh, time uh, for our Choices Flooring Poll. The Choices Flooring Poll is now exclusively on the SENZ app. Follow the same process you would when listening to the app. Just tap to uh, listen live to Baz and Izzy, and the poll will appear. And here's our poll today, Izzy. This Mm. super rugby uh, round, who is most likely to cause an upset? The Drua beating the Rebels... The Tars beating the Brumbies, Moana Pacifica beating the Saders, or the Western Force beating the Reds. That's that's the poll. I was going to put uh, the Chiefs beating the Blues in there just to wind Guzzler up, given that he listens. But I, I, I thought, just in case I see him in a dark alley one day, I won't. Oh, um, I, I don't think the Force beating um, the Reds is an upset. That's just my opinion. I've been very, very impressed with them over the last couple of weeks. They should have beaten the Brumbies. They have been them... Uh, at 78 minutes, and then the Brumbies um, got that full-length uh, field try to, to snatch it at the end. So I don't think that's uh, that's one of them. I, I, for me, um, it'll be Fiji and Drua. Fiji Drua up against the Rebels. Uh, upset, yes, um, but can they do it? Yeah. I mean, for the competition, it'll probably be hugely vital, and it'll be great. You know, a storyline for the competition because these teams have come in and and there's always already questions um, about the competitiveness of it. Um, we'll see tonight. Hopefully, the Moana Pacifica can put up a bit of a fight. Um, but yeah, Fiji and Doro over Rebels will be mine, mate. Yeah, all right. Well, you jump on the app and vote. But you, uh, yeah. I mean, the Moana Pacifica beating the Crusaders wouldn't just be an upset. It'd be an upset for the ages. Um, <laughs> so it's probably bigger. But yeah, I think you're right. I think the Drua, because I think the Force beating the Reds is on the cards. And I think the Tars beating mm. the Brumbies is on the, ta- on the cards for me, mm. um, even mm. though it is in Canberra and it's a tough place to go win. But I think, yeah, I, I, th- I think the Drua beating the Rebels would be, would be a proper upset. I'd love to see it happen, to be honest. Mm. Yeah, same, mate. I think it'd be great for the competition if they could put up a, a good fight. And, let, mate, Fijians, they can do anything. If someone's going to throw it around and, uh, and disrupt the side, Fijian, Drua, a whole team are full of Fijians, 
that is a team that can do it. <laughs> so uh, I expect them to do it. Mate, mate, great chat with Ben Ryder. Great, great get from you from Sports Illustrated and just chatting about the, the baseball. And, and all that, while he was going through all the things about the owners, the greed, and then he was saying how the game of baseball is falling away. Fans are kind of turning a blind eye to it and, and not really leaning towards it. So it made me think, like, these owners, with the way they're carrying on and going about this uh, thing, surely the product is losing interest, losing mm. sponsors, losing fans. So surely the product is losing value. You would have so thought so. So these owners are getting stung in the pocket as well. Yeah. Well, I mean, if this you continues think? too, because, I mean, it was interesting what he said about the TV deal, about them not losing money if they lose, like, 25 games. I'm like, yeah. really? How does, you know, because in any other competition, like, you know, talking like the English football and things with COVID, yeah. they were losing money because even if they lose a round, there's, you know, mm. it's uh, it cuts into the uh, what they get paid because they get paid on a per-game Per round basis, so um, that really surprised me. So I mean, the next TV deal could look a lot, uh, you know, could look a lot skinnier than the, than the current one they're on if they keep going this way. And that's probably where you really hurt them and, and get into the uh, get into those pockets, eh? Yeah, well, it should it should make us. Uh, I know, particularly with New Zealand Rugby and Sky Television, they are um, one of the major sponsors for for New Zealand Rugby and the broadcasting rights, they do everything in their power to try and get a product on TV because without a product on TV, Sky loses money, they lose lose interest, they lose prescriptions, uh, subscriptions, I should say, and then, um, yeah, it's a a downward spiral. So I don't understand how the baseball owners have that much power that they can control the broadcasting rights. Yeah, and that's the other thing too. Is you only have to look over at the NFL at the moment. Um, of course, it, it's been a perfect storm of of bad things happening for the NFL from an owners' group point of view. That the owners of the Denver Broncos mm. at the end of the season decided that they wanted to sell right, so there's a one team on the market. They don't like having more than one team available because it drives the price down if there is. But then at the same time. Uh, there is big question marks about what they're going to do about the Miami Dolphins owner because he was telling the last coach to deliberately lose games, which is illegal. Um, So then do you, you know, you have to remove him as owner, but then you've got two teams on the market and potentially three because there's a whole bunch of um, uh, accusations that are currently in court against the owner of the Washington Commanders as well. And if they have to strip him of ownership, Mm -hmm. then all of a sudden there's three teams. And I mean, if there's three teams, it's no longer a bidding war. You know, the price of of, of the ownership comes down. And you can see something similar going to, you know, potentially happen in Major League Baseball. Mm, mate, it's going to be interesting to see how it all unfolds, eh? Uh, particularly the baseball, because I like, I enjoy watching the old baseball game on, on ESPN every afternoon when when it's playing, and, and it's a great product. But this surely is going to do some damage with how it's all unfolding over there, and hopefully we can come to some sort of uh, solution very, very shortly. But coming up, we're going to chat to Vinnie Colgan. He is riding the creek. I hope you haven't put the mockers on the creek. That is our Waikato, Waikato stud racing preview very shortly. The Choices Flooring Pole is now exclusively on the SENZ app. Follow the same process you would when listening to the, on the app. Just tap to listen live to Baz and Izzy, and the pole will magically appear. Good Choices Pole. Uh, Ricardo, biggest upset this weekend. I've gone Fiji and Drua over the Rebels. Get online. And give us your little vote. We'll be back shortly. Yes, good morning. You're listening to Baz and Izzy for breakfast on SCNZ. Ricardo Ball in the studio uh, replacing Baz Skip McCullum. He's over in Australia. He's heading to the IPL shortly. Tony Kemp and Louis Herman Watt will be on next week. It's now time for our Waikato, racing, uh, Waikato Stud Racing preview. 
And this time we're going to have a wee chat to a champion. He knows what it takes to win the derby. Vinnie Colgan, the New Zealand derby, is one of the biggest events of the year on the racing calendar, and no one has had more success in it than Vinnie Colgan. He's won the race six times, more than any other rider. He'll look to continue that run of success on Saturday when he rides race favourite La Creek. The Phillies' dominance performance in the Avondale Guineas established. It is one of the ones to beat. It absolutely annihilated my perfect pink. And, well, we've got the Vinny on the line, the one and only who knows what it takes to win the big dance come Saturday. Morning, Vinny. Morning, Ricardo. What a beautiful introduction. How are you, mate? Yeah. That was actually easy, mate. Was he like that little intro? <laughs> hey? <laughs> it sounded too professional. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that. I'll take that. Yeah. Hey, Ricardo's got a nice, subtle voice, and he does a great job. So I'll take that. No, no. Right, <laughs> you got me after that. How? <laughs> how you doing, uh, bud? How you going? How, how's yeah. the How's the week been, mate? You must be pumped for for tomorrow. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's been a pretty busy week, um, especially with the interviews and all the hype about the derby and last week. Hmm. What was um what was the decision? I know you you've ridden uh ridden Pinarello a couple of times. Was it an easy, hard decision to to choose out of La Creek, which is not a bad option when you got two of the favourites in the race, La Creek instead of Pinarello? Um yeah, it was a very tough decision. Um obviously um Pinarello did win well the same day as Avondale Guineas, but mm. so being a only a 65-2100 compared to her winning by four Avondale Guineas. So um wasn't an easy one, but it had to be made. And obviously I chose Lark He looks like a, a superstar. Yeah, absolute superstar. I've come out and hopefully haven't put the mockers on it. I've multied it into all my uh, all my multis come Saturday, mate. But tell us about what, why you've had so much success in the derby. Six times. Chasing your seventh, mate. Is it is it something that you really uh, target every single year? No, look, I don't do anything different. Um, mm. I, I guess I've just, you know, I've, a lot of luck has come my way for the race. You know, sometimes I haven't had a ride two weeks before, and um, or a month before, and just end up picking up the right three hours at the right time as they're peaking. So. Mm. Um, and then there's been other times where I've been on the outright favourite right from the beginning. Um, Rangapoe, he, he was a picket fence leading to the derby. He won the Great Northern Guineas, uh, Avondale Guineas, Waikato Guineas, um, and then on to win the derby. Um, three of Rogers, I rode all the way through to the derby. Zonda, he had a picket fence. He was on bid leading to the derby. Royston and Hades. Um, oh, these that just the right tree holds. I'm, I'm sure that it's fallen in place for me at the right time. Yeah, that's what it's about, mate. You, you have luck is involved, but you also got to have someone that that rides the luck, and you've been a big part of that for sure, mate. Yeah. Have you have you had, you've obviously had a look at the Avondale Guineas race with uh, La Creek just sitting nicely in behind Craig Gills on board, uh, and and just pulling out and seeing the turn of foot down the home straight, mate. Is that something that you'll look to do come Saturday? Just let her sit in behind, take off the pace, and then just pull her out and send her home? Is, have you got any things from, from Grillsy that led you into a few things, or you got your own little plan you want to 
uh, head out oh, there with. Oh, uh, head, yeah. And um, no, I definitely won't be talking to girls. Yeah, I know that I know the filly quite well enough. Um, yeah, I have my own plan in my own head, uh, and definitely after the draws, just makes things a lot easier. Um, mm. Drawing a good gate, um, you know, you, you, you just she jumps and puts herself in the race, and you can pretty much see the same thing happening as that. And again, he's just in behind the speed. Um, the key thing is to just get her to get her relaxed and and then uh, wake her up when the time's needed. Uh, and look, she's very pushed button, and she's got a real good turn of foot, like you just said. Um, so yeah, look, as long as I'm from the 600 onwards, picking my spots where I need to be, uh, making sure I'm in the clear, uh, and we'll let her do the best. Oh, beautiful. I know you. it's not your only race. We're, we're making it sound like that's the only race. It's an important race, but you've got a few other races and horses in, in the meeting at Ellerslie. You've got Rokosia uh, in race one, um, James and Wellwood Stable. Is that, have you got any yeah. tips that you could potentially lead our listeners into for, for the day, Vinny? Yeah, well, even to mention Rokosia, look, she drew the outside gate last start, and we elected to... Uh, ride her quiet. Um, mm. Just going forward to the next race, and we got home quite well with not a lot of room. Um, so she's drawn four on Saturday, and she'll be a big chance of filling the pocket. Yeah, I like that. I like the odds on that one, mate. Six dollars fifty on the on the tab there. So I'll, I might have a wee dabble in that. Vinnie Colgan here's riding La Creek on Saturday, and many many others. Um, thank you so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. Hopefully, you can lift that trophy up come Saturday for your seventh seventh derby win. Um, thank you so yeah. much, Vinnie yeah. Colgan. Right, thank you. Oh, there he is. What a champion. 27 years. 27 years since his first uh, win in the derby. So he's a, he's been around for a while. He's a, he's a stalwart in the game of racing and uh, been a... Uh, probably a jockey that's that's done it all. Well, he has, mate. Six times winning the Derby, million dollar race. The winner takes home six hundred thousand dollars. I think the jockey is about five percent, maybe two and a half percent, something similar like that. So he's got full pockets, mate. Yeah, he'd be happy as. He'd be doing all right, mate. He'd be doing all right. Hey, you, you <laughs> want to, you want to top your pockets up? Is uh, I just had this come through on the text machine from Ian. He mm. said, "Up the drawer. They're now five dollars head to head. Two days ago, they were paying eight fifty. Oh, mm. yeah, five bucks head yeah. to head. That that's not a bad bet. You gonna chuck that in your multi? I think you I love might, a mate. Sports bet, mate. I love it. I do love a sports bet, mate. Yeah, so I think that's mm. that's probably gonna go in there. I think I'm, I'm gonna take a dabble on the drawer, and I might just put something on it on its own as well, just to sit outside there, just to to return that 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 you know that five bucks a five bucks a throw. It's not bad. It's not bad at all. Yeah. No, there's some good bets. There's some good betting on the sports bets and racing bets. Big meetings here in Australia as well. So uh, that was Vinnie Colgan. He is riding La Creek on Saturday and many other horses as well in that meeting at LSE for the Derby, potentially chasing his seventh Derby win. That was our Waikato Stud Racing Preview, your home of champion size, including Savabelle and Ocean Park. We'll be back shortly. Yeah, Baz and Izzy for breakfast here on SENZ. News not too far away, but hey, Izzy, uh, NRL's about a week away uh, from getting underway. Mm. Uh, do, you, do you do NRL fantasy or NRL tipping? 
No, no. I've done NRL fantasy. I'll do the tipping though. Yeah, I'll get yeah. into the tipping well, for sure. Just uh, something to keep in mind, mate. Steer you in here. Of course, uh, uh, one of the opening games of the round is the Broncos up against the Rabbitohs, and uh, Adam Reynolds is the big mm. offsize, uh, off-season signing for the Broncos. Uh, he's in the yeah, casualty ward, mate. Dodgy, dodgy <laughs> hammy, and he's failed a PCR test, and so is Kane Hetherington. So both oh. of them are going to miss the opening game for the Bronx. So get on south. That's what I'm saying. And if he's in your fantasy team, if you've if you've gone, oh, I like the look of that. He's a good buy. Ah, you're gonna have to rebuild your fantasy mm. team because Reynolds is out for a pro- at least the first round. Possibly, I'd heard last weekend he he uh, tweaked his hammy in a trial match, so they thought he might be a bit dodgy anyway. But now he's failed a PCR, uh, he might be missing for a bit longer. Yeah, that's a big, big loss for the Broncos. He was there, marquee signing to hopes he changed changed their fortunes there at Brisbane because now they, they need something big because what's going on over there as well with the floods and everything. They'll be looking towards their Broncos team. So yeah, and that and then another team coming on the market in the Dolphins next year in Queensland, mate. Ooh. You know, so they they want to be successful. I want to be successful this year, otherwise they might lose a few up 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 the coast there. Uh, they might start buying Dolphins yeah. gear. But uh, we're off to track down some McCafe <laughs> coffees. And here's Emma with the news for Kubota. Together we are shaping and building New Zealand. Shop the biggest health and beauty brands in-store or online at the lowest prices every day at Chemist Warehouse. This is Baz and Izzy for breakfast on SENZ. Atamarie, good morning. You're listening to Baz and Izzy for breakfast on SCNZ. Friday, the 4th of March. And well, it's just after 8 o'clock. Coming up on the show, we're going to talk to Tony Kemp. Kempy's on the show next week with Louis Herman Watt. He's back from his holiday. Spoke to Louis and Kempy yesterday. Now, right up and about to get back on the airways. Hope Louis had a good holiday. He deserves it. He's been working extremely hard all summer. So, hope he's had a good break. He's revitalised. He'll be back. Next week, we spoke to uh, Vinnie Colgan as well just before. Great to chat to him. He's a six-time derby winner. He's riding La Creek on Saturday in the derby, so he's got a good chance of going seven, seven derby wins. Uh, we also spoke to Paul Cole, and if you missed that uh, um, little conversation we have Colsey, he spoke about the little changes he instilled in his game heading into the um, last 12 months, and uh, it was pretty, uh, pretty good insight to what makes him tick and why he's had so much success as of late, and if you missed that, make sure you head over to Baz and Izzy for Breakfast podcast on the SENN app, and uh, you'll get all our interviews and guests that we've had on the show, and that one from Paul Cole, it was very, very good, and then also Ben Reiter talking about the baseball debacle with what's happening over in the MLB, um, so great to chat to him. Coming up, we're going to talk some women's cricket, a uh, bit of soccer, bit of football after 9 o'clock, bit of UFC, because there's a big fight on Sunday. Colvington, Masvidal. But right now, what's in the forefront of everyone's minds is women's cricket. And yesterday, I watched a replay of the final against Australia back in 2000, and it just brought me back and got me excited because today it's kickoff and Ricardo's going to intro our next guest. Yeah, that's right. Is he the uh, ICC Women's Cricket World Cup starts today, and you can catch every game of the White Ferns right here, ball for ball, with our awesome SENZ commentary team from at two o'clock today. The White Ferns kick off the World Cup campaign against the Windies after an impressive win over the Aussie women earlier in the week. One Wahini Toa, who knows the White Ferns very well and knows what it takes to win a World Cup, is Kat Keenan. Kat was a part of the White Ferns team who won our only Women's World Cup so far in 2000. 
does it. She's also coached the Ferns for a couple of years uh, before giving up to uh, giving that away to spend more time with her whanau. Cat now joins us as part of our awesome commentary team for the World Cup, uh, and she's with us on the line now. Morena, Cat, how are you? Morena, good morning. Yeah. How are you all? Yeah, good, thank you. How how Morena. buzzed are you? How buzzed are you that we're getting underway? Uh, it's like like a kid at Christmas, you know. The final sleep is done, and today's it. Oh, totally. I like, I am so excited. I mean, I you know, it's been great following you know the domestic cricket and just keeping an eye on what's happening internationally. But you know, to have a World Cup here in New Zealand, it's just kind of like. Such a such a flashback for us as well, and for the players that were part of uh, the team that won back in 2000. And then seeing it on TV last night on on Sky Sport, uh, it was just it was yeah. it just brought everything. It, it, it's going to be really great. When was the last time you watched that match? Uh, look, I think uh, I, I haven't watched it for years, but it um, <laughs> we got word of it popping up on um, Sky, or maybe it was a year or something ago. I don't know, but suddenly, you know, the whole team we created a group chat. Um, you know, we were following the game ball by ball in their different locations from around New Zealand. They're like, "Oh, that one was out," you know, and just like had <laughs> all this stuff. Like, I. No, I'm not even joking. I went out and found my uniform. Happy to say, I still fitted it. Nice work. <laughs> yes. Up, you know, we've pictures of ourselves from around the different parts of New Zealand with our gear on and stuff. And it was just, it was really cool. There's just a really good friendship still there amongst the team and just a really, you know, a special, obviously a, a great bond for what we did, but a real care and passion for the game still. And we want to see, obviously, um, the White Ferns do do really well this this year. Well, it's great to hear that you still fit your your, your uh, uniform because I I can tell you that uh, my co-host here Izzy uh, was just talking earlier. He he didn't retire that long ago and he can't fit any of his now. So uh, well done, Cam. <sighs> yeah, I don't know. Back in the day, from Colotte, which were horrendous. I don't even know what they were. Um, um, to these, you know, really oversized. Um, sort of, yeah. So look, anyone would have fitted those. So it was, it wasn't the greatest, greatest look, but um, yeah. Uh, I saw the outfit last night. Great to have you on the show, Cat. Thanks for joining us, and uh, looking forward to hearing you on the airways for SCNZ. I was watching last night. They were pretty baggy uh, outfits, I must say. Uh, back in the day, you know, little little pants with the old flared out bottoms, and then the long baggy shirts. And there was a few, uh, a few LBWs too that today would have been given out, but no one was even appealing when I was watching it last night. Uh, it was great. It was great oh. to watch it. Out. Yeah, have, I mean, um, the, yeah. So yeah. the thing about the that World Cup final, I think just looking back at it, that you know there were. I don't think any one player particularly stood out. I mean, I, I remember Catherine Rammel's mm. um, things particularly as being really important because we didn't, we felt like we just didn't get enough runs, and we'd done so well all tournament and and really just didn't fire with the batting. But I think everyone in in their own individual way had an impact on the game. You look at someone like Helen Watson, you know, those two runouts, that run out from side on. I mean. They were pivotal moments, you know, a few of the bowlers, um, you know, we picked up a couple of wickets each. The pressure was amazing in the field. You know, that random dismissal with Catherine Fitzpatrick where the ball just kind of flipped her pad and the, the bail just casually fell off. And we're like, oh, um, how's that? <laughs> you know, <laughs> it was just such a, like, twist and turn. So it was like an incredible game to play in and, you know, just being at home, being at um 
the Bert Sutcliffe Oval, you know, so many friends and family there. You could hear the crowd. It was it was amazing. What what did winning so, that World Cup for you in two thousand do for you personally? Oh, what did it do for me personally? I mean, I guess on a personal level, I mean, back back then we weren't, um, you know, the game was non professional, so. We we didn't we didn't really play for anything other than the love of the game. If that kind of makes make, make sense in a way, you know, it was about for me it was um, not not relief, but it was just a real sense of validation around you know if you do the work um, and and you prepare to the best of your ability and basically leave no stone unturned, and then everybody else within your unit does that, you know, you're really capable of of big things. And we kind of had this little bit of a a mantra in the team for the World Cup that was expect nothing, um, mm. blame nobody, and do something. And I mean that wow. even now you could apply that to any sports team at any level, especially at high performance, because it's really just about you know taking responsibility for everything yourself and owning it, and and you know just. You know, stepping up when it matters, and and that's how it felt. So to have that experience as an athlete, you know, over however many years I played cricket for New Zealand, to finally, you know, at the age of 30, nail that, and everybody else nail that, and that be part of winning a World Cup. I think that to me was just a real personal um, satisfaction. Um, you know, I mm. think there, there, again there was nothing really. Um, in the game for us in terms of, um, you know, there was no monetary gain. There was no, you know, um, a few of us had a few individual sponsorships and things like that. But it was really, I think most of us, you know, went back to work and went back to our jobs and went back to, to life and, um, and and that was it. But that was enough, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's fantastic. It's great to um, have you on, on the show, like I said before. But tell us about this one. This has got a different feeling and, like, from preparations with the White Ferns and how uh, classy they've been over the last couple of weeks, have we got a realistic chance of actually taking this this cup out again? Yeah, I, I really think we do. I, you know, obviously, you know, New Zealand has struggled. The White Ferns have struggled. Um, if you look back sort of historically over the last few seasons, you know, um, in those semi-final and final moments. Um, mm. But I have to say I had the opportunity to, to be down at one of the, the games in Dunedin, uh, sorry in Queenstown, uh, watching uh, New Zealand play India, and boy, I was impressed. You know, they they mm. were slick in the field. You know, and across that series, they set big totals. They chased big totals down, and even in the warm up games against you know Australia, I mean that was phenomenal to chase down. <laughs> A score of over 300. I mean, that is just unheard of. So, I think we know this New Zealand side. You know, there's no denying. I, I, I don't really use like world class. I, I feel like that gets thrown around a lot. I, I try not to use it. Mm. Um, I think you know. I, I think we've got a lot of talent and we've got a lot of experience. There's no denying. I don't need to rattle off individual names because again, I think in a World Cup tournament, everybody can can step up. Everybody can. Be you know have that opportunity to, to to change the momentum of the game and and that performance actually contribute to that to that win, but I think you know if the team builds their momentum um, game by game you know the old ball by ball you know literally just focus on mm. each each game that they've got um, and if 
our players step up when they need to, and that's the key. It's about being able to to use your talent, use your abilities, and apply it. You know, in the, when it's needed. You know, um, then I mm. think they've got a realistic chance that they could win this tournament. Yeah, former uh, White Fern and White Fern coach Cat Keenan here on Baz and Izzy for breakfast at eight thirteen. Cat, you, you talked about watching those games against India and Queenstown. Uh, how has the game changed for you between when you won the World Cup in 2000 and, and what you're seeing from, from the White Ferns in 2022? <clears throat> well, I think, you know, back back when we were playing, especially that World Cup team, um, you know, sometimes we joke like, oh, we should get together and give them a game. <laughs> 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 because, you know, we were pretty, you know, we were pretty fit back then um, and mm. we had really good uh, really good skills and you know obviously we had some absolute superstars as well but I mean we were we were pretty good back then I have to say um, but what has changed I mean the biggest thing for me is the introduction of the shorter formats of the game the T20 cricket so I think that that has helped the game immensely because it's, it's really forced the pace of the game um, it's required players to adapt much quicker um, to what's happening. Um, obviously, we're seeing variations now around the type of deliveries that are bold. I mean, you know, when I was playing, I basically had three deliveries, and that was my, my stop ball top of off. Um, it was a bouncer, and it was uh, one um, slow ball or, you know, low full toss at the desk or when anyone was attacking or trying to come at me. So it was really simple, where I think a lot of bowlers now have, you know, in a way, sometimes I think too many variations because I think it's still just about if you bowl the, the, right, the right ball in the right area to that batsman and they can't score off it, then you just kind of just go on repeat. That's kind of how I operate it. Um, so I think mm. the big changes are just all of the variations, um, the, the pace of the game. I think the, the athleticism of the game has really stepped up, particularly in the last few years. Uh, and I think the batting, you know, the batting, they're just accessing far wider areas of the ground. You know, we used to play predominantly quite straight and quite sort of technical down the ground, maybe a leg glance, you know, someone like Emily Drum pulled out a sweep and we were like, oh my goodness, that's fantastic. You know, whereas <laughs> now they're ramping, they're innovating, they're scoring runs behind the keeper. So that for me is the big, um, you know, advancement. But again, you're still old school here. You've still got to temper that with being able to bat 50 overs and still, hey, look, you know, having down the ground, I mean, there's only two fielders down there. You know, if you get it past the bowler, you've got mid-off, mid-on. But you can still score a lot of runs by playing straight, hitting down the ground. So for me, I would like to see a balance of that for the White Ferns, and I think that'll be really important. Now, of course, uh, today you're part of the commentary team that uh, gets uh, gets things underway. The, the White Ferns take on the West Indian women, and you'll have... Uh, great memories of the West uh, of playing the West Indies itself. I think uh, your best bowling performance in an ODI came against them. You took four wickets for five runs off ten overs. That's a superb performance uh, from you. Uh, how much are you, are you looking forward to to telling that tale again uh, when you get on air with uh, Daniel McCarty and and crew today? Oh my gosh, I would never tell one of those stories. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she's got tickets on herself. No, no, um, no, no. Uh, <laughs> And I mean, to be honest with you, I, I wasn't actually, as a player, I wasn't even hugely stat-driven. I mean, even, you know, Dad would, I'd come home and Dad would say, how'd you go today? You know, I would fly back and for some for somewhere and he'd be like, oh, you know, what, what happened in the last game? I'm like, oh, yeah, we won. Uh, you know, and he'd, he'd say, <laughs> yeah, oh, three for, three for 12. And I'd be like, oh, did I? Um, yeah, so, 
I definitely won't be pulling out any of the stats. I'd, I'd much rather enjoy, um, you know, the success of what other people have done. But um, look, at, I mean, I'm just so so stoked also to have the opportunity to be part of, um, you know, your commentary crew for the games. I mean, it's just it's just such an amazing way to not only be part of watching the game and, and watching the cricket, enjoying the cricket and following the success of our white fans, but to have the opportunity to contribute um, some thoughts mm. and maybe share a few stories is, is really cool. And, like, thanks so much. It's you know, for the other commentators as well. I mean, um, Sarah Illingworth, Maya Lewis, Anna Corbin, Emily Drum. I mean, it's just it's just massive. Hey, Kath, thanks very much for coming on, giving us some time this morning. I know you'll be you'll be prepping hard uh, for for the start of that match, and yeah, you're getting on here with Garth Galloway out of Christchurch. I really appreciate it. Go well and have a great call. Thank you so much, guys. Cheers. Thanks, Kat. Uh, Kat Keenan there Bye. with us. She's uh, part of the SENZ's coverage of the ICC Women's Cricket World Cup starting at 1.25 today as our great team give you a ball-by-ball commentary of the White Ferns opening match against the Windies. You can tune in to hear the thoughts and analysis of Daniel McCarty, Anna Corbin, Garth Galloway, Sarah Ellingsworth and Kat Keenan, of course. And uh, this is Baz and Izzy for breakfast. Thanks to the Chemist Warehouse uh, giving you great savings every day. The kid is hot. Friday then, it's Saturday, Sunday. Yes, good morning. Listen to Baz and Izzy for breakfast on SCNZ. Ricardo ball in the chair in the studio in Auckland. And well, next week's going to be different again. Got a new team, all these changes. I hope your ears are enjoying it. Here we go. We've got Tony Kemp coming in the show next week. He's with Louis Herman Watt and Kez and Joe back in the studio. Potentially be another change somewhere down the line. But anyway, we've got a bit of continuity coming up next week. Tony Kemp, he's on the line. Koro, how are you? More in a dizzy. I'm all good, brother. I'm all good. I, I actually. I actually thought that that was my my intro song that you're playing, mate. If if Louis, Karen, and Joe can put that together, I'll be over the moon with that one. <laughs> you like that? It's Friday, yeah. Nah, mate. Yeah, we're looking I forward to having you on the show, Kempe, brother. Kempe looking forward to ripping in. Kempe. Yeah, mate. Now it's all, all good. I love I love I love the I love the dizzy songs. I think they're pretty cool. Dizzy quizzy and all that sort of stuff. I like it. I really like it. Oh. Nice, brother. Nice. Um, you did a bit of time, but in the summer with with Louis. Anyway, did you did you enjoy uh, sharing the airways with Louis? And what can we expect when uh, Tony Kemp comes on? He always brings a little bit of heat every week. What do you got? Yeah, mate. Yeah, no. I enjoyed lifting your ratings over the Christmas period while you guys was sunning down in the Hawks, <laughs> the Hawks Bay and the I loved it. I loved I've it. noticed okay, our text machines it. dropped off. <laughs> yeah, don't worry, mate. It'll be pumping next week. <laughs> no, nah, mate, it was good. It was really good. Um, had a good time with Louis, obviously, right through the, the spring-summer carnival with the horse racing, too. You know, good time of the year to be talking sport. Um, you know, again, got plenty on coming up. The late, the, the Women's um, Cricket World Cup, you know, listen to you guys this morning. And then the, what we've got at Izzy, which is talking rugby and rugby league. And I think everyone out there in the in the waves and the radio waves are, are looking forward to see what we've got to say about yeah, not, not only the Warriors, but um, your team, the Crusaders. So, looking forward to it. Yes. Yeah, looking forward to it, bro. This weekend, racing. We just had Vinnie Colgan on. He's chasing his seventh derby win on La Creek. Surely you got to give us a little lead into something else. Any any other meeting races you're, you're looking forward to? 
Yeah, look, I, I think the creek's too. I think it's too good in the derby. You know, the, the Avondale yeah. run was was absolutely superb. Um, just the way that it cruised around and then you know, put put pay to the boys, and I think I think she'll do it again on Saturday. So you know, so I think it's a dollar eighty at the moment that one. But I have got a. I, I think I have got a little uh, multi for you boys, and I, and I hear is okay. Izzy that you need as much help as you can get at the moment with your tipping. <laughs> so <laughs> look, I, 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 what I, do you I, got, Zaki? I think Zaki and Flemington in the group two. It's just too good in that in that race. Um, that's paying two dollars. I think you put that in a multi with La Creek. And I think for some odds, in there's a the uh, bully out of Flemington at the moment, and it's good bully. Is that in race one a little a little horse called Wee Nessie um, will be the one to beat. It's paying three dollars sixty at the moment. So um, I've got that mm. on good form. And I'm going to whack that in a multi with who I think can't get beat, which is Zaki and La Creek. What race is Zaki in? I saw I, I seen one race. It was a scratch from that race, so it's obviously in okay. another one. Which one's it I, in? What race? Uh, race race six in Flemington. I, I haven't got that on me at the moment. Um, oh yeah, there you go. Two dollars ten. Jamie Carr on yeah. on, on board. Annabelle Nisha and Zaki. You think it'll be too good? I think I think in that in that race, I think the horse is just too good. You know, the only the only person will stop that horse is Louis. <laughs> just tell Louis. Not <laughs> he, he stopped it last year, mate. He said he'll put his house on it, and probably he'll stormed home and destroyed it. So you did right oh, there, yeah. Zaki. I was thinking Zaki into Animo, and then I'm thinking race seven at Ramwick Lighthouse, Lighthouse race seven. J Mac on board. It's um, it's obviously it's it's a quality horse, but it's up against it as well. It's racing against. Hold on, forgive me. I'll just get it. It's up against forget Forbidden Love, and we saw what Forbidden Love did last week against Espiona, Baby Winks. That was uh, disastrous for me. Yeah, and if you're listening, don't don't take that multi. Take my one. You'll win some money. <laughs> <laughs> Zaki into what? What would that pay? About three dollars? No, that's terrible odds. We don't want that. We want to get yeah, people paid, not get them a little, not let them get them a little fizzy drink and some chips while they're waiting for Dad at the tab. <laughs> Yeah, you want to stay off those, is it, you rugby boys? Want to do more tackling practice? <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate, no need to tackle when you're scoring tries, brother, and you hold the ball. Anyway, you wouldn't know. <laughs> I, can't, I can't wait. I can't wait to see <laughs> Now, nah, we're going to have some fun. Looking forward to getting you on the show, Ken Pete. He runs up and about. You and Louis Herman, what too? Hyphen Louis. Can't wait to see him back. He'll be up and about because he's had a few weeks off. Well deserved too, but that. Nah, looking forward to next week, Tony Kemp, champ. See you, mate. See you next week. Looking forward to it. Awesome. There you go, Tony Kemp coming on the show next week with Louis Herman. What? Thank you, Ricardo. You've had an awesome time last couple of weeks filling in. Baz is off earning his million dollars at the Rupee, and uh, he'll be back shortly. But Kemp is filling in, and you're going back to what do you got? What do you got next week? You. You're busy, mate. You work all day. I know. Yeah, I just, I've got nothing else to do, is he? No, I am. Uh, we'll be back with the uh, the Super Rugby shows from uh, 7 o'clock on uh, Monday night. It's uh, me and Marshy doing uh, In the Red for the Crusaders, and then me and Peter Alatini nice. doing uh, uh, Pacific Flair uh, from 7.30 to 8. And then on Tuesday, uh, it's me and Jeff Wilson doing Super South for the Highlanders, and 7.30 to 8, me and Carmo doing uh, Chiefs Mana for the Chiefs, obviously. Mm. And then Wednesday... 
is uh, where I get myself in trouble. Norm Hewitt does the Canes, uh, Hurricanes Valley with us, and and uh, Steve Devine, the angriest halfback ever born, uh, mm. seven thirty to eight on uh, on on Blues Brothers as well. So I'll do all of those, but uh, I think I'm actually doing a few shows for Smithy next week as well because Smithy's away. So well, he's not away; he's no. he's on World Cup duty, you know. So he's travelling around with Sky. So busy, plenty busy on, mate. man, mate. Busy, busy man. That's why you're an expert. You do it all, brother. Appreciate you being on Baz and Izzy for breakfast and uh, doing a great job as well. Uh, we'll rip into the next hour and a half because Ricardo's on for another hour and a half. I'm off at nine. But anyway, we'll be back shortly. We're going to catch up with Pip Morris. And we remember, we've got our multi-buster. I've got multis galore, so I've got to give one that I think is a guaranteed winner. And, well, you know who I'm going. Anyway, we'll be back shortly. We'll go to Emma with the news for Kubota. Together we're shaping and building New Zealand. This is SENZ, Baz and Izzy for breakfast, 27 away from 9. Thanks to Emma for news and sport there. Time for the uh, Choices Flooring poll results. The Choices Flooring Room View program takes the guesswork out of choosing flooring. Upload your favourite floor today. And uh, Izzy, we put it up there on the app, um, our Choices Flooring poll. Who's most likely to cause an upset in Super Rugby Pacific this weekend? Uh, the Druid to beat the Rebels, the Force to beat the Reds, Moana to beat the Crusaders, or the Tars to beat the Brumbies? Well, I've got the results in, mate, and uh, I, your Crusaders can rest easy, mate. Zero percent of people think that's going to happen. Um, but uh, <laughs> taking it out, the, the, the favourite option for the upset of the weekend, paying five bucks of the tab as well, is the Druid to beat the Rebels. 58% think that is like more likely. 29% on the force to beat the Reds and 11% back in the Tars to beat the Brumbies. Mm, I know. Yeah, that's that's a good bet. If you watch the Rebels, um, the uh, the way that they've been playing, man, honestly, they their game plan is so predictable. They are so deep on attack. Everything's back. They're not even like they're... they're um, they're just they're runners that are running lines and they're not even getting the ball. You can actually see it from a mile away, so it's so easy to defend. They need to play a bit more flatter. At the line, Matt Tamoa, I think he needs to offer a little bit more. Um, they've got quality players throughout the whole entire squad, but they just, I think their direction, uh, the way that they've been playing is, is just not on. So if that's going to be upset, five bucks at the tab, mate, I think it's a good bet. Yeah, all over it. Everyone's going to get their first win. Bang, that's it. Matt, Matt Tamoa, where do you think his best position is for, for the Rebels? I mean, would you keep him at 12 or would you play him at 10? Ah... <sighs> Mm. Oh, he is, he is probably more more of a ten. I think he's more of a ten, but he has to re uh just he has to redefine how he approaches a game. Like he's he plays up really deep. I feel I don't know if that's just him and how he plays. He just wants to be back from the, the defensive line and just give him time time and space, or whether he's been coached in that way. But the way that the Rebels are playing, it's just so predictable and so easy. Like they're they're one off runners or. Or their runners that are running overs lines, or people that are just that are trying to run and commit defenders are just so predictable. They've got their hands down; they don't even look like they're getting the ball. The ball's going three meters behind them, and it's just too easy to defend. Um, so yeah, ten for me, but just has to change his way he plays. Yeah, well, maybe another poll that we should do at some other point is uh, who's most likely to get the spoon in Super Rugby Pacific uh, this year? Because it feels like this could be uh, a bit of a decider, a deciding matchup in the in the wooden spoon race. Mm, mm. I'll be, uh, yeah, it will be, it will be. Uh, look, Rebels, yeah, Rebels will be there or thereabout unless they change the way they play. 
Uh, they've got quality players, but their just direction at the moment is, is no good. But we've had a, a wee multi, uh, wee tip coming. There's tips galore. Yeah. Nature Strip is actually running this weekend. It's up against Eduardo uh, as well on Saturday at Ramwick. And, uh, well, Nature Strip, we know how good that bloody horse is. Wins everything. It's won a few six group ones, I think it has. And uh, that's racing again on the weekend. So someone said, put that in your multi. That might be a goer. There you go. We're coming back shortly. We're going to chat to Pip Morris about our racing multibuster. And I've got to have one. You've got to have one, Ricardo. I've done some homeworkers. Yeah, I've done some homework. Yeah. I've got a dead suit. There you go. I look forward to I look forward to hearing your multi, <laughs> mate. We're this and it'll be sure it'll be something juicy with a few good odds. So we'll be back shortly to have our TAB live catch up with Pip Morris. That was our choices flooring. The Choices Flooring Room View program takes the guesswork out of choosing, choosing flooring. Upload your favourite floor today. Back shortly. Listening to Baz and Dizzy for breakfast on SENZ. Yes, Baz and Dizzy for breakfast on SENZ. We're 18 away from 9 before we get over to Emma with the news and then Ricardo's going to bring it home for the last hour. It's time for our TAB live catch-up. This time with the one and only Pip Morris, TAB. Live update, bit live on your favourite sports with the TAB app today. Morena, Pip. Morena, guys, and what a big weekend we've got to look forward to, not only sport, but racing once again. Mm, we have, we have, all up and about. I've multied everything, and I think I've picked every single horse on both cards here in Australia. So I've got a few going, but we've got a multi-buster we've got to get through today. Have you got anything for us before we get to our picks? I certainly have. Yep, you've talked about the racing Mega Multi Buster, which you can check out on the website and look around the Derby as well. Highest bet count's been on White Noise at nines and two forty, but the most wagered bets on La Creek at one eighty five. And there's some really nice power plays around the Group One Derby this weekend as well. La Creek to win and White Noise top four at four dollars is proving quite popular. La Creek top two and Pinarello to run top three. White Noise to run top four is at five fifty. It's a really another uh, popular option. And La Creek top two and Regal Lion top four at $7 is another really popular one. So there's plenty of power plays on the Derby. If you're not one to go into the nose, I quite like a few of those options. Beautiful, beautiful. Lots and lots happening in the world of sport and racing. Okay, let's rip into it. Time to get your pick, Ricardo, for our multi-buster You've said it. What have you got, mate? Lead us into something. Okay, mate. Well, this is uh, it's it's not the it's not the uh, the biggest juiciest odds, but it's a good anchor. Race eight at Ellerslie tomorrow. The Howanui Farm Kings Plate. It's a Group Three uh, sort of state with Leith Innes on board. Uh, it is uh, drawn at barrier nine. Uh, trained by Jamie Richards out of Tiakau, paying two twenty the win. Sort of state. Yeah, won its last start. So I'm going to chuck that oh, in. I'm... Yeah, like that, like that. Juicy, juicy odds for us. Look, I'm okay. Okay, I'm gonna go out here on a limb. It just wins. It's a quality horse. I'm gonna go over in Australia. Meet eight. Ah, oh, meet eleven. Sorry, at Randwick. Race eight. I'm gonna go Animo. James McDonald, J Mac. It's only paying a dollar seventy, but that's okay. Dollar seventy. Animo, J Mac on board. That is my tip. Because. Uh, I was stuck between that and Starry Bill, which is eight bucks, but I, I need we need to earn some money and I need to prove Tony Kemp wrong. So I've gone Animo. There you okay, go, Pip Morris. Animo's actually into a dollar sixty five according to according to what I'm looking at now, is he? So you might be on. You might be yeah. on. Yeah. We nah, need to land well, one. Pip don't will we, give me the dollar seventy odds. Yeah. 
Come on, yeah, we'll, we'll give you the one seventy. <laughs> <laughs> what do you got? Look, I'm, I've got the Auckland Cup for the Greyhounds this weekend as well, and, and the railway. So I'm going Ooh. to go for the Auckland Cup, and I'm going to go a par with Superstar. He's living up to his name. He's come up with box threes at two dollars and thirty cents, and I just think the way the field's drawn, he might be able to take it out. Ooh, Auckland Cup. That's okay. in Manukau, is it? It is. It is on Sunday. On Sunday. Let me just try and find that. Meeting uh, code nine. Meeting race code number ten. Meeting code nine. Race ten. Thank you. That's 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 the kind of help that I need. Uh, d- dogs. Oh mate, honestly, I am having a nightmare here. <laughs> uh, but we will get there. We'll get there. I found it. I'm on the right. I'm on the right. So, Power Superstar. Did you say? That's the one, Ricardo. Yeah. Yep, paying two dollars thirty. Um, so we'll chuck that in there. So that's uh, that's going to boost things up a little bit. We need one more, don't we? Is it, you, you've got plenty. We- you want one more? Okay, we'll go what one more. Place on Starry I'm going to follow. You want a Starry Bell place? Nah, nah, we'll take that one out. I want to take this one because uh, it's got a Hawks Bay connection. It's Smithy's son. He's texted in. Jared Smith, my mate's got a, a share in it as well. It's called On the Bubbles, and it will just win. It was racing at Ellerslie tomorrow. I think it's race four, maybe, On the Bubbles. On the bubbles, paying two dollars eighty. Uh, it started at three twenty yep. as well, and it's on its way in. So that's uh, that's that's a good look, mate. That's a good look. I like we'll it. We'll take that on the bubbles. On the bubbles, indeed. All right, I will pop that in, and uh, we will uh, let me select the bonus bet. Well, it says Beavers Multi, the only bonus bet I've got sitting here in the uh, in, in our in our <laughs> in our account. Pip, can we sort that out? We can sort that out, Ricardo. I'll get it pushed through to you ASAP so we can get that on. And hopefully, fingers crossed, let's get it this time. We don't need one for the listeners. Yeah. We went pretty close last week, didn't we? What cost us last week? I'm trying to remember. But I think everyone picked their picks and we went all right and then one cost us. I'd say it was probably me. I think anyway. I went down a nose. It was my weekend. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so oh. this, this is this is what we look for. What we've got for our uh, our, our racing multi buster. We got uh, from Ellerslie race four number one on the bubbles at two eighty. Uh, race mm. number ten at the Manukau Dogs on Sunday. Number three Opawa Superstar paying two thirty. Race eleven. Uh, sorry, race eight from Randwick uh, tomorrow. Animo with J Mac on board at a dollar sixty five, and then Sword of State race eight at Ellerslie paying two dollars twenty. So that's what we've got. That's what it looks like. Mm, beautiful, beautiful. We'll be nice little juicy, juicy little multi there. Hopefully we can get it up. Thank you so much, Pip. You got anything else before we let you go? Uh, of course, we've got the women's cricket, and I can tell you just quickly, too, the best back there has been New Zealand by a margin. Overall, though, in the market is Australia to win the World Cup, and for the top run yeah. scorer, it's been the Kerr and Divine has been the way that the bets are going. And there's a women's cricket uh, bonus back on there, too, head-to-head on their matches, where if they lose in the final 10 scheduled overs, get a refund up to $50 as a bonus bet. So a little incentive there to check out the women's cricket today. Yeah, and just uh, giving you the update. I've uh, finally managed to get that bet on uh, using uh, Beaver's bonus bet. Uh, that returns $1,168.86. <laughs> oh, there you go. Very nice. Get amongst. Get amongst. I've got about six multis going after the show, but anyway, we'll get something. Surely we'll get something. More luck of winning a multi than winning Lotto anyway. Thank you so much, Pip Morris. That was our TAB live catch-up with Pip Morris Promotions and Play and hundreds of sports markets to choose from. Visit tab.co.nz. Please gamble responsibly. R18. Before we go, Ricardo, the creek is very short for the derby. Tutukaka.
is a very good horse as well. Thirteen dollars. Mm. That is from Kevin from Titarangi. Now Kevin, he knows this thing or two about horses. So and he's also texted in as well. What's that? Morning, Ricardo. I'm going mm. worse than mm. Izzy, but here's recovery <laughs> for tomorrow's Alice. That's why, it's why Izzy has two jobs and can't finish the show. So today. he's gone. <laughs> He's going on the bubbles, sort of state, outfit. So this is the one Ooh. I'm questioning. Outfit. Outfit should have beat a Miss Ella last start. I don't know. Miss Ella, Miss Ella was very, very good. It's steamed home. Yeah, what did he say? In that, in that race last week. Opie couldn't get it out of the rail until yeah. the 200. Jonathan Parks is on. Mm. Mm, they'd be interesting to follow. Miss Ella over outfit, I reckon. But that is Kevin from Titarangi. That is our little TAB live update. Anyway, I'm off shortly. I'll be back. Uh, next week, Ricardo's going to bring it home for you. You're listening to Baz and Izzy for breakfast. Top the biggest health and beauty brands in store or online at the lowest prices every day at Chemist Warehouse. You're listening to Baz and Izzy for breakfast on SENZ. Yeah, this is Baz and Izzy for breakfast at five away from nine. And we're just about to say goodbye to Izzy. Before we do, Iz, uh, I know you're going to be on a plane for part of it, but uh, our team, Boreham Wood, uh, getting underway in about 15 mm. minutes against Everton. Fizzin? Oh, fizzy, mate. I'll be watching it on my phone on the SkyGo app and just getting updates. But I've just seen if they win, they play Crystal Palace. Yes. They face Crystal Palace in the quarters. So, ah, man, I just can't like. I've just, um, yeah, I've become a Boreham Wood fan, not only just because it was a success story, just champion like Lukey Gerard. have we chat to him. He's so open to coming on and and um, just been following him on the socials and just getting a bit more understanding, just the, the tight-knit group that they are, the little small community and, and what sport can do and bringing people together. So they brought me together. I'm a Boreham Wood fan, mate. Hopefully they can do the job today. Yeah, well, they, uh, they, they've they got a good chance. They're up against Everton. Everton have made some changes. Uh, Asmir Begovic is the number two is in goal, so there's no Jordan Pickford. Uh, and also no Richarlison or Dominic Calvert-Lewin, who are their top two strikers. So they've gone mm. um, up front with Salomon Rondon, who's uh, just a big lump that you kick the ball to, and he holds the ball up for you, basically. Um, so, yeah, I think there's a chance there. There's a chance there. It's not the the yeah. best Everton team. And Boreham Wood paying 18s. Yes, get up, get up. I was listening. To, I was listening to Luke uh, last night when he was talking about the momentous opportunity that's ahead of them. It's going to be tough. They're, you know that no one's predicting that they're going to go through, but no one predicted Middlesbrough to beat uh, Tottenham Hotspurs and and uh, knock them out of the FA Cup. So, look, if anything can happen on their day, they know they've got the best defensive record in their league at the moment. So it's tough to score um, goals against them and. And things like that. So, look, they got a lot of belief and um, they got our support. I'm sure a lot of our listeners will be watching that as well and, and supporting Luke Garrard. Yeah, I think so. Uh, now, if you want to say, check out the rest of that draw, uh, so Palace, Crystal Palace uh, play the winner of this match, Everton, Boreham Wood, which gets underway in about 15 minutes' time. Uh, Middlesbrough have uh, picked, uh, have got Chelsea, mate. So they've got another home game. This time it's against <laughs> Chelsea in the quarterfinals. And then uh, Southampton have got Man City. And then uh, Nottingham Forest play Huddersfield. The winner of that hosts Liverpool. Mm, how good with that? Liverpool yeah. going to Liverpool. Liverpool going to 
Huddersfield or, or, or you know, um, Nottingham Forest, the other one, yeah, Nottingham yeah. Forest. Right? Imagine that the, the the gate returns and things like that, mate. It's awesome. I'll be but watching. Be be huge, mate. Be huge. I mean, Forest are a story team. You know, they've won two uh, two European Cups. Forest under Brian Clough in the late seventies, early eighties. So they're they're one of those yeah. big clubs that's kind of fallen on hard times, but they're, they're one of those ones that you can see uh, at some point in the near future coming back. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful, mate. What do you got for the weekend? What have we got for the weekend, mate? Well, I've got tomorrow off, actually, which is uh, which is a rare mm. thing. And then Sunday, I'm back on here from uh, Wundle 5, and uh, it's me and your old mate Marshy, Wundle 3, uh, doing the rugby run. Nice. And uh, we, we're sort of uh, talking all the uh, super rugby from the weekend, so we'll wrap up the round. And we've also got uh, this awesome um, Dometic uh, cooler to give away, Icebox, mate, 33 litres. But the way they've built it is... They've obviously put some thought into it because the thing I've always had with like chili bins and things is they're never tall enough to stand a big bot up in. Uh, but these ones, mm. these, these this um, uh, Dometic, I think it's 33-litre job, you can stand a dozen big bots in it. And we've got one of those to mm. give away on Sunday. So looking forward to that because uh, we're doing a thing called Match Marchy where you have to you have to pick your player of the round. If it's the same as Marchy, same as Marchy's, you win. Ooh, okay, okay. My player of the round? You want my player of the round for this round? Yeah, before it's even started? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, Shea Fihaki. Shea Fihaki. He's playing fullback, right? Crusaders fullback. Yeah. yeah. There you go. There you go. All right. Is, is he's trying to steer you into one, mate. I wonder, I, I wonder what um, he's paying to, to, to be our first try score. It'll be about seven bucks, probably. Eight dollars. Somewhere around there. Juicy. Yeah, would you jump Watch on that? Space. Anyway. Yeah, I'll jump on that. Have a good weekend. <laughs> yeah, Have you a good too, weekend, brother. mate. Enjoy Thanks for your work and... Uh, Thanks for coming on the show, Baz and Izzy, for breakfast, and uh, keep up the great work. I'll be back next week with a new team. Oh, all these changes. Hard to keep up. Love it. Anyway, that is me. I'm out. Have a good weekend. Happy punting. Stay safe. Look after each other. Smile. Be happy. I'll try to. Anyway, I'll be back next week. We're off to track down some McCafe coffees. And here's in with the news for Kubota. Together we are shaping and building it. Shop the biggest health and beauty brands in-store or online at the lowest prices every day at Chemist Warehouse. This is Baz and Izzy for breakfast on SENZ. It's three past nine here on Baz and Izzy for breakfast. Ricardo and Izzy's on a flight to Dunedin for Sky so you can cover the Moana Pacifica uh, Crusaders match in Super Rugby tonight. And of course, Baz is off to the IPL to earn his millions. I just had uh, this uh, breaking story come through. There's a big international squash tournament coming to New Zealand. It's uh, it's just been announced. Uh, the biggest squash tournament in the nation's history will be held later this year with the New Zealand Open Men's and Women's PSA World Tour Silver event to take place in Tauranga from the 7th to the 13th of November. The New Zealand Open will be another huge boost for the sport with world number one Paul Cole and women's number six Joelle King set to be the star attractions amongst a top-class field that will line up at the Trust Power Arena in Tauranga on glass courts and battle for the lion's share of the US $150,000 prize fund. Now, of course, Greymouth-born Cole was on the show with us earlier. He's had a stunning past 12 months on the tour, became the first Kiwi male ever to reach number one on March the 1st and the first non-Egyptian to be ranked in the top spot since May 2017. The 29-year-olds also become the first man from New Zealand to win the famous Allen British Open trophy in August, as well as capturing the Canary Wharf Classic in the CIB Squash Open Black Ball in Egypt. And then yesterday, the Windy City Open in Chicago. He's going great guns. He got recognised at the Hellbergs. To be honest, thought he should have won it.
to be honest. Should have won it over Kane, I thought. Uh, and he was, uh, of course, a uh, runner-up in that uh, Sportsman of the Year. Meanwhile, Cambridge-born Joel King has also had a trailblazing presence for New Zealand squash and has spent four successive seasons ranked inside the world's top ten, while her triumph at the 2018 Hong Kong Open became uh, saw her become the first Kiwi in 15 years to win a major PSA world title. So... Uh, that is great news. Squash fans are happening in November in Tauranga. And great to see Tauranga getting a, a massive event like that as well. Uh, that is great news. Now, coming up on the show, Ollie Sale, uh, the man uh, they call the wall, the former goalkeeper in the A-League at the moment, uh, plays for the Phoenix. He is going to join us uh, to talk about the last 12 days, 13 days they've had of no matches and flooding and things in Sydney and how they're prepping for Melbourne City, the league leaders this weekend. Also, Mike Angove from City Kickboxing. He is uh, one of the well, he is the lead strike coach there and about to take up a job with the UFC as a strike coach as well. Uh, we've got UFC 272, Covington versus Masvidal this weekend. He's going to join us a little later on in the hour. But right now, uh, my pleasure to welcome onto the show uh, an Olympian uh, who may be better known now as a rugby caller, of course, Martin Gillingham out of the UK. G'day, Martin. How you doing? I tell you what, you're talking me up. I can only let you down from here on in. I hope, <laughs> I hope I'm not too much of a disappointment. And, um, and the slightly worrying thing is you talk Olympian. Do you know what? I mean, I was only a kid then, and I'd like to think I'm not too much of an old man, but it's almost 40 years ago. It is terrifying. So 1984 seems like yesterday, doesn't it, Martin? I mean, I, I wasn't an Olympian, but I remember watching Kevin Barry fight Evander Holyfield at those games back here in New Zealand. No, you're right. I mean, it, it is remarkable, isn't it? And, um, I mean, put me to one side, but if you think of some of the great names who were competing in uh, in those games, I think it was, was it Michael Gross, the German, who was a sort of the king of the, um, king of the pool, and then on the track, of course, we had the likes of, you know, Sebastian Coe, we had uh, Daley Thompson, Carl Lewis, of course, four gold medals. And and um, to think, you know, that's almost four decades ago. It's uh, it's frightening, really. How time passes. How time passes indeed, mate. I mean, you know, it wasn't that long ago that England looked like a, a world power in rugby, but after a fifth in the Six Nations oh, last I year and you... <laughs> losing to Scotland this year, you, I mean, you, boy... You... I can see. Look, I walked straight into that. You've had this scripted from the <laughs> off. Haven't you? Um, I wish yeah. I was that clever. But no, <laughs> I mean, let's let's talk a bit about Six Nations and the way things are at the moment. Um, I mean, two teams really stand out at the moment: France and Ireland, of course. France having beaten the Irish um, in Paris, and you get a sense. And I'm going to draw one of two conclusions here that. Had that game been played in Dublin, then maybe it could have gone the other way. So, in my view, France and Ireland are a class apart. France are a proper rugby team, I think, now for the first time in a long time. Um, and what is between them and, um, and a grand slam? I think they're more likely to have trouble on a Friday night in, in Cardiff against Wales than they are at home against England on the basis and the evidence of what we've seen so far. And I'm quite looking forward to um, being in attendance at both of France's uh, last two matches. I mean, Ireland, there's no doubt that they've taken huge strides after hitting a bit of a flat spot. Um, Wales, not surprisingly, with a lack of depth and many injury issues, um, have not um, put up really a 
particularly good defence of the crown, although, you know, they exposed England in one or two ways at the weekend. Scotland are what Scotland are, which is capable of beating England in the Calcutta Cup and doing it, I think, pretty impressively, really. But then they're also capable of um, going to a poor Wales, losing in Cardiff, and then getting trounced at home by the French. And Well, Italy are just Italy, which is all a bit sad because, um, you know, their string of, what is it, is it 34 or 35 games mm. now? 35, I think it is. Consecutive defeats, which... Which is which is a bit sad. It is a bit sad. Um, on on France, I mean, the, last weekend when they went to Scotland, there was a lot of talk. Well, they don't go well in Scotland. They don't travel well over there. The Scots play some decent rugby. Obviously, we know that they beat they beat England earlier. Um, I, I think the worrying thing for the rest of the rugby world is that France, while they could be brilliant on their day, it wasn't always their day. But they seem to have found some consistency. Yeah, I mean, I, was, um, I wasn't at the game last weekend. I was down at Twickenham watching um, England leak oil on the way to beating Wales. But I was in, um, in Edinburgh two years ago when, in the end, uh, Mohamed Hawass, the tight head prop, is um, launching the boat race of <laughs> Jamie Ritchie with that straight right underneath his own post in hindsight cost France, I think, um, the title, really, and perhaps even the Grand Slam. Um, and I remember two years before that, you know, I don't know if you remember the game, but the uh, the French went and had a party after the game and uh, that attracted the interest of the police and one or two of the players were dragged off the plane on the way home. So mm. Edinburgh's not necessarily been the, ha- the happiest hunting ground for France, largely because of their own ability to implode, which in my view is always the problem with France, which is why I still worry for them when we get to a World Cup next year, I mean, how on earth are they going to go through two months of rugby without at one point imploding and doing it at a critical point? But on the evidence of what we see so far, I mean, I think they are they are on on home turf. They're the best team in the world at the moment. Yeah, I don't think yeah, that, that's too much of a stretch to say that. Um, that you, we also talked a bit about Italy, and there's been all that chat about South Africa coming in and Italy being jettisoned. I, I, I know the um, Six Nations have come in and said that's not going to happen. But uh, Italy, I mean, when they fronted against France in the first game, which you know was probably the toughest draw of anyone, they actually looked reasonably capable, and they gave France a lot of problems. I had France winning that by sort of 30 or 40, but it didn't really play out that way. No, that's right. I mean, it's a bit like a boxer going in the ring. I mean, they sort of dance around the ring for the first two or three rounds and they cope well. But then after they've been whacked a few times and they get on the seat of their pants, I mean, some of the spirit goes. But, I mean, I was in Treviso 48 hours before England beat Italy um, at the Olympic Stadium back in, what was that, round two. Mm. And I went to see England under-20s take on Italy under-20s. Now... The Italy under-20s had never beaten England in um, the under-26 nations, which is a competition which runs parallel to the, uh, to the main competition. And Italy beat England 6-0. Now, bear in mind, this is an England side which eight months ago, and of course being under-20s is that almost year-by-year turnover of players. So we do have to bear that in mind. But eight months ago, when they played the last under-20s, England performed the Grand Slam. And with some of those players, they were beaten by Italy Mm. in Treviso. And um, it was in recent years, 
one of the most special moments that I've attended, not just in rugby, but in sport, because here we saw, you'd like to think, a little sort of sneaky look into the future of Italian rugby. Um, and let's hope it's not a false dawn, because it's a good England side. It's an England side who a number of players who played in the Premiership, I'm talking obviously about the under-20 level here, um, all of them on professional contracts against Italian players who don't even play in the professional league at home in Italy. And I think we got a little look there which suggests that Italy are an experiment or isn't an, is an experiment worth staying with because what do we do? We cut off Italy from the Six Nations and Italian rugby pretty much dies. Or we stick with them and put some faith into what is coming through. And um, I think in fairness, I, I, I saw something there which told me that maybe, maybe in a year or two, there might be something more from this Italian team. And uh, that would be, be great for the Six Nations because they, they need six competitive teams. Otherwise, this chatter South Africa will continue. Uh, we should talk England, though. I mean, Luke Cowan Dickey's been ruled out for the rest of the tournament. Do we have to? <laughs> Do we have to? How, how big a blow is that? And, I mean, England finished fifth last year. I mentioned that at the top. Um, if they don't really challenge, if they don't give, you know, if they don't give Ireland a good run, if they don't give France a good run, uh, I mean, is Eddie Jones really the man for the job? Or do you think we could see a change at the end of this tournament? Well, there is there's a lot of speculation. I think most people, even those who believe that Eddie Jones shouldn't be taking him into the World Cup, they firmly believe that the Rugby Football Union, his employers, will not remove him before the World Cup. He's in that respect, his his position is uh, is pretty safe. <coughs> Excuse me, but bear in mind they finished fifth last year, and if we look at the table now, both Scotland and Wales, who are beneath England, they have five points apiece. England have ten, but both Scotland and Wales have got to play Italy. So, I don't think it'd be taking enormous leap to think that well, right, both those teams, Scotland and Wales, are going to pick up five points. Um, England, as you say, have got a home game against Ireland. And then they've got to travel to Paris. Now, it's not beyond the realms of possibility that England could wind up fifth again. Mm. I'm inclined to think the most likely outcome, even if they do lose both of those games, I still suspect they might end up, almost by default, winning just two matches, but still coming third. Um, but again, this is not... You know, to quote Eddie Jones, building the best team in the world. Um, they're not even the best team in Europe. Um, and they're a long way away behind France and a good deal behind Ireland. And it would be a major surprise if they beat Ireland um, next, uh, next Saturday. And of course, it would be an absolute shock if they beat the French. So I do think a poor third place is the most likely outcome, but there is still just a chance. They might wind up fifth, which is where they were last year, and that was a point of crisis. So should Eddie Jones still be the coach come, um, come this time in a month? Well, yeah, I think we can work on a basis he... 
we will do, but will England win a World Cup under Eddie Jones if they wind up as we expect them to? I mean, certainly not, and there are wiser people in rugby than me who've said that already. There was a, there was a, a, a I don't know if it was a, a wind-up rumour, but it's certainly a rumour that I saw in a couple of English papers a few months ago suggesting that Rassi Erasmus was being lined up for the job. How do you think that would go down with the establishment? Um, it can't happen. Um, but we must bear in mind, I mean, that story actually emanated from Report, the uh, Afrikaans-speaking newspaper in um, in South Africa. And I don't for a moment doubt their um, their sources because it turned out, actually, that Rassi Rasmus, uh, a couple of days after that, wound up in the UK and he was watching um, watching Scotland play. Um, so, I mean, we must bear in mind that until until the episodes during the British and Irish Lions tour, you would have thought that it wasn't beyond the realms of possibility. But Rusty Erasmus's reputation, I happen to think quite unfairly, because as you know, I've got a bit of a half a foot in the camp with South Africa, having spent a long time there. Um, he, it, it is unthinkable. It would be, it would be heresy. I think after what went on um, during the British and Irish Lions tour, where we saw Rassi Rasmus's reputation at this end plummet. Now that may or may not be justified, but. I don't think that could possibly happen. No, no. It would be interesting, though. I'd love it to happen just for the reaction. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, he's... I mean, let's be frank. I mean, he's... Let's chuck it out there, and this stands to be challenged, but he's perhaps the best athletics coach... Uh, best athletics coach, best rugby coach in the world. He might be the best athletics coach as well, for all I know. But he certainly, I think, um, uh, he... he he has pulled together South Africa, and that's anybody really understands the challenges that South Africa has faced over the last 25, 30 years will appreciate what Erasmus has done. He got disparate groups, and bear in mind you've not just got the obvious black South Africans and white South Africans, you've got English speakers, you've got Afrikaners who there was always a bit of a rift between that particular group. If you speak to any English-speaking Springbok, he will confirm that. He has got everybody playing for one another in a way that certainly no South African coach has done because even Kitch Christie, who won the World Cup back in um, 1995, did have essentially um, a white and largely Afrikaans-speaking squad and Jake White's wasn't that dissimilar um, in 2007 but he has turned out a truly representative team of all South Africa's various groups and creeds and colors and languages and uh, uh, and cultures and he's got them all playing together and enjoying one another's company and he got them to win a World Cup while all around them the South African economy is tanking and players are looking to play their rugby out of the country now. In my view, it's one of the great coaching achievements in any sport in the last 25, 30 years. 
Good stuff, Martin. Thanks very much for coming on and joining us. We'll let you, we'll let you go so you can get back to, to, to watching Forest versus Huddersfield because I know uh, that's very high on your agenda this evening. I've just been told, I've just been told by my uh, Nottingham Forest correspondent, my son, that if Forest do beat Huddersfield, mm-hmm. um, they will be facing Liverpool. Yeah, so you get an easy draw in the quarterfinal, which is good. Yeah, got to love that. Yeah. <laughs> Go well, Martin. Have a great weekend, mate. Thanks for your time today. Great stuff. Take care. Cheers. Uh, Martin Gillingham here out of the UK, one of uh, the best rugby minds you'll find out of the UK as well. And uh, great for him to join us here on SENZ, Baz and Izzy for breakfast. It's 9.21 when we come back. We're talking UFC with Mike Angove. Biggest health and beauty brands in store or online at the lowest prices every day at Chemist Warehouse. You're listening to Baz and Izzy for breakfast on SENZ. It's Friday then, it's Saturday, Sunday. It's SENZ, Baz and Izzy for breakfast. Ricardo in the chair for the rest of this hour at 9.26. Still to come, Mike Ango from City Kickboxing to talk Kobe Covington and Jorge Masvidal. Which way is that going to go? The uh, headline fight, of course, of UFC 272, which uh, we have on our screens on Sunday afternoon. Looking forward to that one. Ollie Sale as well, the... Uh, Wellington Phoenix goalkeeper, potentially the all-whites goalkeeper as well. He's going to join us out of Sydney, and we're going to catch up with him about how they've been dealing with all the flooding and training and etc. They they had five games in 14 days, and then after cancellations had no games for 13 days. So that's kind of but up and down for those guys all over the shop. So we're going to catch up with them. Uh, catch up with Ollie uh, before the hour is out as well. Of course, uh, we have the opening game of the Cricket World Cup as well coming up today. We've got coverage here uh, from one twenty-five, uh, so we'll have a good half hour or so build up to the game and we're going to have a great call team uh, on board as well. So you can tune in from around one thirty, of course uh, for the ICC Women's Cricket World Cup cav- coverage here on SENZ. So we've got that game. It's at uh, it's in Tauranga or Mount Maunganui. The White Ferns taking on the West Indies and uh, we've got Dan McCarty, Daniel McCarty, Anna Corbin, Garth Galloway, Sarah Illingsworth and Cat Keenan, uh, that is going to be your cool team. So a lot of experience in there from uh, former White Ferns, as well as a, a couple of great callers in Garth Galloway and Daniel McCarty, uh, lining things up for you. So looking forward to that uh, all starting. And it's always great to have a World Cup on our own back doorstep, isn't it? And we're not too far away from having another couple because got the Women's Rugby World Cup and the Women's Football World Cup uh, going to be here too in the next little while. So plenty uh, to sink your teeth into. In fact, the, the White Ferns, are big favourites in this game against uh, the Windies. They are um, well and truly the favourites. $1.09 they are paying to beat the West Indies. West Indies are paying $6.50. So uh, it might be something to, to look at as the markets open up as to top run scorers, especially with the way that Sophie Devine went against the Aussies the other day. You've got to think that she is in great nick at the moment and uh, she will definitely be an option. There is an option in the power plays actually from the TAB. Sophie Devine or Amelia Kerr as top New Zealand run scorer is two dollars. Double your money. 
two of our best. So, uh, you know, I think it's uh, definitely one to look at. Uh, coming up, news time, just an update on the Everton Boreham Wood FA Cup fifth round match. Of course, uh, Luke Gerard joined us yesterday, the boss of Boreham Wood, to talk about this. Uh, whoever wins this game gets Crystal Palace in the quarterfinals. It is currently nil all, 14 minutes into the first half of that one. Time to get to Emma now with the latest in news and sport. Thanks to Kubota, together we are shaping and building New Zealand. This is SENZ, Baz and Izzy for breakfast, 28 away from 10. Just struggling to contact uh, Mike Angove at the moment. He is in Sydney, I know that much, and is on his way back to New Zealand from uh, uh, from his last stint in Houston. So uh, given that we don't have Mike, let's uh, go now to Ollie Sale from the Wellington Phoenix. This is SENZ Breakfast with uh, Ricardo, and uh, joining us out of Sydney is Ollie Sale, the goalkeeper for the Wellington Phoenix. G'day, Ollie. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm well, thanks, mate. Very good. That's the story. You're staying dry? I'm oh, trying to, mate. Uh, you know, got my snorkel ready to go, but uh, nah, yeah, we're all good. It's good to hear. I mean, I imagine that that weather has not only affected games, it's been about, what, two weeks since you guys have played. Must have affected training as well. Have you been having to train differently or in different places? Yeah, um, today was the first day that it uh, really impacted our training pitch. It, it, it was very heavy underfoot this morning, so we shifted it to the, one of the artificial pitches, which is um, at our facility. So it wasn't a big deal. It, it changes it up slightly for the boys. You know, um, at this level, you don't often spend a lot of time on artificial, so it does take a bit of a different, different toll on the body. Um, but we've been relatively fortunate so far that it, it's just been the game pitch that's been affected and we've been fine for training. Oh, that's good, mate. That's good. Not too much diving around at training on the artificials. Oh, duh. look, I, I tried to convince my goal, goalkeeper coach that, um, you know, I slipped on past them and maybe tone it back a bit. But uh, no, we, today was our work day and our, and our conditioning day. So I uh, just, just wrapped up the limbs and, and went for it. <laughs> nice, mate. Nice. Now, well, I often talk to players about, oh, you know, I think I've talked to you about it, actually, when you guys had five games in 14 days. And uh, the answer I tend to get back is, no, nah, it's great because it means there's no training. Um, obviously, no <laughs> no games in two weeks means there's a lot of training, yeah? Yeah, mate. We've gone from uh, one end of the spectrum to the other. I, I, I don't think I participated in a full training session once during that two-week period. And now, yeah, we've trained pretty much uh, full-on for, for two weeks now. But um, the boss was really great, and he gave us four days off post that, that tough period. So the boys came back pretty refreshed and pretty energised anyway, so... It's, uh, it's actually been really nice. All right, mate. It's time for a bit of honesty here. Uh, who's the who's who's the worst at training? Who's the one that's always got a bootlace to tie up or something that's always you know not quite not quite there? <laughs> oh, Gail, Gail. <laughs> uh, I don't think he wakes up until about midday. Um, he, he, he attends training and he's there physically, but mentally, God knows where he is. He ain't he ain't there. Uh, nah, he's good. He's fine. You know what he's like. He's a, he's got that bit of quality and class. He's just on his own little planet sometimes. And nah, he's um he he's definitely one that could put the boots on the wrong feet. I reckon. <laughs> Outstanding. Mate. How much is it? How much of a difference do you think he's made to the team? Yeah, massive. Uh, like him and Scotty, the impact they've they've had on the group has been really profound. Um, even if it even if it's not necessarily their quality, which they've brought, obviously, um, just the the confidence that the January transfer window brings when you add reinforcements. Um, you know, we were going through a bit of a slump there as well. We, I think we were four games 
we've been beaten in a row. So it was nice to to just have that sense of relief. And um, look, they've obviously brought their own qualities. Scotty's a great leader, um, very demanding, very loud, communicates very well. And then obviously Gail's got the the silky touch and the the class and that that real bit of quality that potentially we were missing. Yeah, I mean, I guess the thing with Gail is he takes uh, takes a lot of emphasis off uh, Piscopo, right, to, to 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 be the creator. So you, you've got two outlets. It's harder to shut your creativity down. Uh, and, and I guess he's always what wide wide right looking for the the big uh, Schmeichel overarm uh, bowl out uh, over halfway. Exactly, mate. Yeah, he's my outlet. Uh, they both are. Reno and Gail are fantastic, and, and you're spot on about uh, how Gail shoulders some of the pressure I guess that our tens and our creative players have and and takes that load a little bit off Reno because you know we saw Reno's quality last year and the year before when you have someone like Uli and now Gail's come in and, and Reno's just gone up a, up a notch hasn't he and really really taken it to the next level when we've seen him on the score sheet we've seen him with assists and he's playing some fantastic football and, and you're spot on mate that those 10 roles they work in tandem and having two quality players like that is means that uh, it's a lot more difficult for opposing teams to set up. Yeah, which is uh, which is good. It frees you guys up. But what about Scotty then? Talk about um, Scotty Wooten. You, you, you kind of mentioned him there. Um, what difference has he made at the back um, from what you had before? Well, for starters, I mean, we didn't have a clean sheet up until he arrived and we've got two now already. So that speaks for itself. Um, but he's, his experience, um, you know, I think you look at the clubs he's played at, the level he's played at, he's had a great career. And um, so those are all something something to feed off and um, gives the boys around them a lot of confidence in his ability as well. But also, like I said, he's extremely vocal. Um, he's an outward leader. You can hear him right throughout the game. And it makes a big difference um, because I feel like I'm probably one of those players naturally. And, and so otherwise you've only kind of got my voice. I feel like Tim Payne is that player as well also. But now that he's been shifted out to the right, it's a little bit more difficult and, and a slightly different role. So um, to have Scotty through the centre um, with me behind him as well, those voices kind of echo around. And it's funny, we've been playing in front of no one um, with, the, with us having home games behind closed doors on some occasions and, and just the nature of playing a Wednesday game against Brisbane here in Sydney. There's... There's no one really attending the games, so you can just hear us non-stop. And it's probably a bit of a headache for some people, but uh, Scotty's fantastic. And, yeah, we kind of feed off each other in that regard. Nice. Now, you, you did have that game against Western Sydney Wanderers postponed, uh, and, and it looked like uh, uh, Rennie Piscopo was going to miss that with a bit of a calf strain. How's he shaping up? you think he'll be fit for Melbourne City on Sunday? I hope so. Uh, there's no guarantee. Um, the, he's still building into his load. Um, so I, I, I couldn't actually tell you, to be honest. Um, obviously, everyone's pushing for him to play because we want him. He's a fantastic player. But um, it's, one of these, it's one of those things. He's had a little niggle there in the past, and, and I guess the, the loading of all those games in a short period of time took a bit of a toll. So it's about managing that and, and ensuring that we've got him for the remainder of the season rather than potentially just this weekend. So, um, yeah, it's obviously given him a, a much better chance given that we've had longer to prepare and uh, fingers crossed he's ready to go, but um, he's, he's still building into training. So that's probably too early to say. And uh, how happy are you with, with your form? I mean, there's been a lot of talk this side of the ditch that you're the form keeper in the A-League. How are you feeling about it yourself? Yeah, look, I'm, I'm full of confidence at the moment. Um, I'm enjoying my footy. Um, I'm playing some good footy and I'm, I'm doing my job. You know, that's, 
I've said it right from the start when Offie gave me a chance. Um, that's the thing I've loved about working with Offie. He's even in this leadership role as vice captain, he's, he's given me the freedom to just go and play my football and, and express myself and play the way I think I should play and, and see the game how I see fit. Um, so, yeah, it's been fantastic. And it's really easy to go out there and play well when you've got that kind of freedom. Um, and, um, yeah, I'm just I'm, I'm thoroughly enjoying it and playing with a smile on my face. And, yeah, at the moment it's, it's working and I'm playing some good footy. So uh, confidence is high. So hopefully... Hopefully it continues. I'd, I'd love to rack up uh, many more clean sheets. Um, we've, we've only managed the two thus far, so it'd be nice to, to post a few more of those. Yeah, well, Jamie McLaren will be a test this weekend, won't he? That's for sure. You know, their front three is lethal. Um, I think Jamie Leckie's got six goals in the last seven games, and we know what Naboo's like. Very direct, very attacking, and yeah, Jamie Young scoring for fun. So always a threat when you can't against a side like that. Um, we like to think that our structure and our discipline is, is different to other teams and we'll hopefully counter that a lot more. But, you know, I was looking at the statistics after their game last night. They've scored the most goals in the competition, but they've also conceded the most goals in the competition. So it obviously suggests that the game tends to be quite open when you come up against them, which doesn't really suit us. We're more structured. So we need to make sure that we, we stick to our roles and our discipline with that. Yeah. What about um, later on this month, the All Whites play some uh, some World Cup qualifiers. Of course, the, the start of those are uh, famously are outside of the window. Um, have you had conversations with Danny or Ufi about what that might look like for you? Yeah, look, it's uh, I have had those discussions and the club have had, had those discussions and Danny and Ufi have had those discussions and it's a balancing act really, isn't it? Um, it's not like you said, it's not part of a window, so it has to be what's best for both sides. So um, I'd, I'd like to think I'll be a part of it somewhere along the line. Um, and that same goes with the other boys that have been involved previously. I think Clayton and Tim were, the, were on the last tour. Um, so, yeah, I think all of us are uh, likely to be involved in some capacity. Um, the way that the Football Association and, and the club worked that out, um, that's been left up to them because that's a logistical nightmare that I would, I'd like nothing to do with um, personally. <laughs> Obviously I'd love to go and play every game for New Zealand, but I can um, and just as much as I'd love to stay here and play every game for the Phoenix. But um, yeah, it's a balancing act for them. And um, there's, I, there's no doubt that we will all get an opportunity to represent New Zealand. Um, what that looks like, uh, that, that's not for us to decide and we're not quite sure yet. Looking at it at the moment, um, where all the all the goalkeeping options are at, it feels like that number one jersey is up for grabs. Uh, how much would it mean to you for that to be yours? Oh, it would be it would be huge. You know, I've, I first got picked for that squad in, in 2014, and things haven't quite gone the way that I envisioned, or or probably New Zealand football at the time when they picked me envisioned in terms of of my development with my professional club. Um, but we're here now and yeah, look, that's, that's the spot of mine up. There's no doubt about it. Um, I want to play football. I want to represent New Zealand. I want to get us to a World Cup. And, you know, if you ask me, I'm the man for the job. But I think all five of us that are in contention would say the same thing. So, um, yeah, absolutely. That's the spot I want. I want to go and play every game. Like I said, I want to, I want to carry us to a World Cup. And that's that's the role that I'm eyeing up, and um, if that's the opportunity that I that I get given, then I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that that jersey becomes mine for the near future. 
quality, mate. Hey, listen, thanks very much for giving us some time. Uh, I'll let you go so you can put your feet up and relax before that early training call tomorrow. Um, but I uh, really appreciate it, mate. Go well and best of luck against uh, Melbourne this weekend. Thanks very much, mate. Appreciate it. Yeah, it's Baz and Izzy for breakfast. Ricardo in the hot seat. Well, uh, Izzy's flying to Dunedin and Baz is making millions with the Kolkata Night Riders. Uh, 12 away from uh, 10 o'clock uh, and uh, joining us from CKB, uh, their strike coach, Mike Angove. G'day, Mike. How you doing? Yeah, not bad, mate. How you going? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Not too bad doing the mahi while well, the boys are away. Um, uh, I wanted to catch up with you about the uh, the main event at UFC 272 this weekend, Covington versus Masvidal. It had elements, I thought, in the lead up to this of of a WWE stoush, given um, <laughs> given how much they dislike each other. But this wasn't put on. This is for real, isn't it? Yeah, well, WWE is scripted. This this certainly isn't. Uh, we know Masvidal. Uh, you know, he's very straight in his his approach. Uh, Colby Covington and in adopting his persona uh, has no problem in in throwing shade on pretty much everyone doing doing it in a in a very uh, disrespectful manner. Um, there, you know, there, there's obviously a lot of uh, background that cuts very deep. Um, and with a guy like Masvidal, um, he doesn't take to that kindly. So. Um, the, this is, is absolutely heated. Um, it is absolutely, uh, I, I guess, a, a brawl for honour and respect in a lot of ways because uh, they do not like each other. And uh, there, there's no question of, of that being manufactured in any way. No, uh, not at all. Um, I mean, in terms of the fight itself, it feels like if Covington's going to win this, he's going to have to take it to the ground because I don't think he can stand and trade with Masvidal, can he? Um. Look, he, he he's he's decent at Southpaw. Um, you know, we, we, we saw him uh, go toe to toe with with Kamaru on a, on a couple of occasions. Obviously, got clipped in the first fight and broke his jaw. Um, but but in terms of the quality of the stand up, obviously Masvidal has a lot higher stand up. Um, both of them are coming off dual losses to Usman. Um, you know, and both of them have one knockout loss. Um, first fight with with uh, Usman for Masvidal, you saw he was more difficult to take down. Um, uh, in the in the second fight, he got clipped by that huge right hand, which also took care of uh, Covington as well. So it's quite clear where the two strengths lie. It's really Covington wrestling, uh, Masvidal obviously in the stand up. It's really the transitional area that you need to look at. Uh, who's going to be most efficient in that? in that transitional area outside of the wheelhouse. Uh, so for Masvidal preventing the takedown um, and, and hitting him on the on the break, for Covington uh, you know, being defensively responsible until he gets an opportunity to, to take and secure the takedown. So, you know, it's a it's a classic uh, old school striker versus wrestler kind of kind of fight, only it's uh, the, the game's moved on a lot. Uh, from where it was, you know, uh, say 10 years ago, where, where these guys are pretty solid across all areas. What chance do you see, do you think we see uh, Masvidal pull something uh, out of out of his hat like he did with Ben Askren, um, knowing what Covington's game is going to be? Um, look, Askren was, you know, where the stars aligned. I mean, you know, he he had the striking ability of, of, a, of a fucking wet octopus. So, you know, uh, that's not going to happen. Covington, Covington is good enough in his striking um, to, to present a problem. He's not going to be defensively irresponsible like that. Um, so, 
we, I don't see anything like that. It's, it's more about uh, how does Masvidal set up the knockout as he did with Darren Till, uh, catching with the left hook, remembering uh, you know Covington's a southpaw. Uh, Masvidal has had success with southpaws, but look, he is most dangerous when he's highly motivated, and he's highly motivated for this fight. So uh, you know that in itself makes it fascinating. Yeah, it does indeed. Mike Angov, thanks very much for giving us some time out of Sydney, mate. Safe journeys home. We'll catch up with you again soon, eh? Yeah, see you soon, boys. Will do. Uh, Mike Angov there from City Kickboxing, uh, talking that Covington and Masvidal fight. And uh, in the studio with us is the man that currently leads the SENZ hosts uh, rugby tipping competition, uh, Mark Stafford. Uh, Staff, you've got a big show today because you're covering your show and Smithy's show and condensing it all into, what, four hours? Three and a half. Uh, three and a half, well, three hours, 25. <laughs> yeah, which is a luxury for me. A luxury. So what do you got coming up? Um, I tell you what, we've got this uh, 14-year-old, Louis Sharp. Um, he is a rising star in the world of motorsport. He He's like the winningest carter that New Zealand's ever had, been driving carts since he was six. He's uh, gone into Formula V. Uh, this is his first year in Formula Ford. He's leading that series. He's uh, going to Formula 4. He's got a contract for Formula 4. He's going to miss the first, uh, I think the first race or maybe the first two because he has to wait till he's 15 till he's allowed that. He's tested Formula 3. Fabian Coulthard's taken him under his wing.